Hitler had the supreme fascist state. And what was he worried about in Europe and in Germany? He was worried about white genetic annihilation. What is everybody in Europe worried about now? Why genetic annihilation? All these people from Syria coming up in here. The tight labor market, which has driven everything from rising wages to rising inflation, may be changing because of immigration. NPR's Joel Rose reports. The screams of joy are back this summer at Funland, a beachside amusement park in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And so are student guest workers from around the world. Morgan Bennett is from Jamaica. There was a listing of all the different places that I could have worked and where they're located. But when the person had told me the type of job that I would have encountered, I just said yes. This season will be the first since the pandemic began that international students will be a big part of the temporary labor force in Rehoboth Beach. And employers are glad to have them back. We saw last year, we couldn't fill the positions that we had. Chris Dar is in charge of hiring at Funland. For decades, he says the park has relied on students coming to the U.S. on J-1 visas. But the program was all but shut down in 2020. The numbers were up last year, though just barely. Dar says he couldn't find enough workers to keep the park open every day. Especially at the end of the summer, early August, we lose college students. And without the J-1 visa program, we wouldn't be able to open half of the stuff that is in the park. They are truly important to the success of our business. The number of guest workers and immigrants coming to the U.S. is slowly rising again after years of steep declines. Tens of thousands of international students are back at resort towns and amusement parks. The Biden administration has released more visas for foreign guest workers, and it's automatically extending work permits for others. Economists say that should help to ease labor shortages, and some argue it could help calm inflation, too. Hopefully, if this trend continues and maybe accelerate, we will see the easing of some of the shortages which are still observing clearly right now. Giovanni Perry is an economist at the University of California, Davis. He says the U.S. is about 2 million working-age immigrants short of where it would have been if not for the pandemic and the Trump administration's cuts. Perry says that's contributed to a tighter labor market, putting pressure on employers to raise wages and, in turn, prices. If these shortages uh, loosens up, so if there are more uh, workers, this should also uh, reduce the inflationary pressures. Especially, he says, in industries that depend heavily on immigrant labor, like hospitality. Susan Wood owns a restaurant in Rehoboth Beach called The Cultured Pearl. We were 32 employees short last summer. It was torture. I mean, all of our staff worked six, seven days. They killed themselves. I worked 183 days straight at the front desk. And my husband worked more than that in the kitchen. Wood is also participating in the J-1 visa program. Without those international student workers, she says, her year-round staff worked a lot of overtime last summer, which drove her labor costs way up. We had to raise prices. We raised prices because of payroll, but not nearly as much as we had to raise prices because of food costs. The costs of food and energy are still rising fast. Economists say that's contributing to inflation across the economy. And some are skeptical that a rebound in immigration will have much of an impact. I don't think it's going to do much to fix our inflation problem. 
Ramesh Panuru is the editor of the National Review and a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, a conservative think tank in Washington. He argues that inflation right now is largely caused by problems in the supply chain and that simply bringing immigration back to pre-COVID levels won't solve those problems. We need an immigration policy designed with our economy's interests in mind. We don't have that. And just toggling that so you have more of a dysfunctional immigration policy seems to me to be a mistake. Back in Rehoboth Beach, raw potato slices plunge into hot peanut oil at Thrasher's French fries. So we dice them, we put them in baskets. Dean Shuttleworth is the general manager. He's glad to have more than a dozen international students back on his payroll because it means he'll have enough staff to reopen another location across the street. This weekend was the first time we opened our 26 Rehoboth Avenue store up in two years. Last year we had the volume. We were extremely busy, but certainly you're going to wait on less customers. So I'm in pretty good shape this year. But Shuttleworth says he's still raising prices this summer keep up with the rising cost of potatoes and everything else. Joel Rose, NPR News, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Black babies cost less. Central Florida kids are officially on summer vacation, which leads lots of parents looking for affordable child care. Inflation has made everyday living even more expensive. According to the Florida Office of Early Learning, parents are paying an average of $160 to $230 a week for child care. WMFE's Talia Blake spoke with the Florida Policy Institute's CEO, Sadaf Knight, about the state of affordable child care and what help is available, if any. On average, how much does it cost a Central Florida parent to get care for their kid? It's very expensive. It's a huge consideration for families, and it's about $8,600 a year on average to pay for child care. Wow. So $8,600, what's the average salary a person needs to be making to afford that kind of child care? It's really unaffordable for a lot of families, for most families. Uh, When we look at the state median income and we look at eligibility for something like the school readiness program, which provides vouchers for families with low income, 150% of the state median income comes out to about $40,000 a year. So that's what it takes to qualify for state vouchers, and that doesn't even cover all of the cost of child care. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's interesting that you say that because I talked to a mother from Brevard County, and she said she pays around $1,575 a month for daycare because her child is too young for preschool. Mm-hmm. She's a single mother, but she can't get assistance from the early learning centers because they say she makes too much money. Mm-hmm. So for middle and low-class families kind of like her who just missed that qualification, what options are there for them to get their child into care? There's not a lot in terms of getting any assistance for paying for that child care. Eligibility is pretty strict for the uh, voucher program. And like I said, that doesn't even cover all of it. And there's significant wait lists, even if you do qualify for it. So for for families who are above that threshold and can't get the vouchers, um, you know, there's there's family daycare centers, there's, you know, child care centers. But unfortunately, it is really expensive. How can not having access to affordable child care affect a business or the economy, not just the family per se? In the community, you know, having a child care, having access to child care is key for, for workers to be able to go to work, to be able to keep their jobs. And unfortunately, there are, you know, even child care deserts where there's more than three kids 
per available slot for child care centers. So it does have an economic impact because these child care centers, they play, child care is such a central part of the decision making around work and the ability to work. And it has ripple effects throughout the economy, both starting from, you know, from the family and then going out to the community and, and the economy as a whole. What do you think the solution is? Well, there are a couple of things that happened during the pandemic through the federal relief bills that were passed that really did have an impact on families. So the American Rescue Plan Act, it expanded the child tax credit and the child dependent and dependent tax credit. Um, that had a huge impact. There were millions of kids who were able to receive the tax credit and like 700,000 of them were lifted out of poverty because of it. Um, the child and dependent tax credit was to help families make ends meet for uh, childcare costs. Both of those things could be made permanent. They were only for 2021, but th- those things would really help ease the burden on families when it comes to childcare. That was the Florida Policy Institute CEO, Sadaf Knight, talking about the economics of affordable childcare. I'll be seeing people out here, you know, usually you just put it in there and you just, you know, chill out for a few minutes and then it let us do its thing. But when you're broke, you can't do all that. You got to be watching this motherfucker because, you know, you got to pull it at the right time. Yep, that's it. We good. You don't get to the crib. Gas prices have been rising steadily for months now. As KPBS reporter Alexander Wynn tells us, the high prices are hurting people who drive for a living. At San Diego International Airport, where construction has closed off the parking lot at Terminal 1, more travelers are relying on rideshare drivers to get to and from the airport. But there are fewer rideshare drivers now because of the high cost of gasoline. Lavina is a driver who says she continues to work because people still need her service, but it comes at a cost. It's been a, I, I have to work more per tank and I'm not, it's not adding up as as well as it used to. She says she has to work 10 hours a day just to make as much as she used to. AAA says because of demand, gas prices aren't dropping anytime soon. Alexander Nguyen, KPPS News. Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call for alcohol. Across the U.S., less than 1% of winemakers are black. But change is coming, and in Oregon, Tiquette Bramlett is leading the way. She's the president of Compre Vineyard, and she's the first black woman appointed to oversee a winery in a major U.S. wine region. This year, she's helping usher in a new crop of BIPOC wine industry changemakers with her nonprofit, Our Legacy Harvested. OPB host Crystal Ligori talked to her and one of the inaugural interns of the program. Tiquette started with how she came up with the idea for the apprenticeship. My grandfather was the first Black general contractor in the state of California. And a big thing for our family was always rooted in community and saying, like, it starts with the foundation. When he started that company, no one was really connecting him and helping him build community. So he said, you know, this is my opportunity to build our own table and to build this community. And he always said, it's our legacy harvested. This is what we do for our community. And that's always something that stayed with me. So in 2020, 
I had been hearing things in our wine community and people saying, I don't necessarily feel safe here. I don't necessarily feel as though there's space for me. I don't feel as though I have community that bothered me because part of me felt as though I hadn't been doing my job. I I pride myself on being a connector and being able to build that community. I just started having the big dreams of saying like, why can't we have our education platform? Why can't I have my campus? Why can't I have this? Yeah, I can, and I want it and I'm going to do it. (laughs) So And you have selected the inaugural individuals to be part of our Legacy Harvested's internship program. And we have one of them, Marcella Alcantar Marshall, with us. Can you tell me a little bit about what caught your eye about this internship with our Legacy Harvested? Having the civil engineering background, I've always kind of been into the earth and how things are made. Uh, So... When I moved out to Carleton from Beaverton, I was interested in the agriculture side of the country, and um, I didn't actually realize that there was so much wine out here. Um, So when I started to follow people on social media, one of the companies that I followed was Alumbra as well, and a Latino-owned business, and she had posted the internship, and I was like, this is awesome. This is what I'm looking for. I want to be in agriculture, and I want to be able to get involved in this kind of community building process too. Can we talk about what exactly the internship will be? What are folks going to be learning? We are building out specific programming for each individual. So they're going to have group programming and they're going to have individual programming. So part of their interview process was specifically asking them what their desire was, what their ultimate goal is to get out of this. Mm. And um, that was the exciting part for us because we want it to be mutually beneficial, right? Like we want them to get their ultimate experience out of this, but also we want them to have personal growth because it is about wellness as well. We are basically going through the who, what, when, where, and why. So like why people have fallen in love with this industry, they're going to have an opportunity to be really hands-on in the agriculture experience and learn from vineyard stewards, but also vineyard managers as well, and see the large experience and the smaller scope to see what the entire experience looks like. But then, you know, we'll have our fair share of class sessions as well, where um, they will be sitting in a literal classroom and getting the opportunity to learn and have some real hands-on experience so they can see all the different facets of the industry of where they can fit in here. Marcy, what in your interview that you did, what is it you said you were most interested and passionate about learning? Viticulture, it's such a science that and an art, um, which is very similar to construction, where it just fascinates me, the earth, and how we are trying to build something, but we're still at the mercy of Mother Earth, right? Um, Mm. And how it wants to do what it wants to do. And then we still have a process afterwards where we can manipulate that to kind of switch it around and try to control a little bit, you know, um, you know, and then the people that work it is to, to know that feeling of picking something and putting your passion into it and just looking at this tiny little grape and going, this is going to have so much potential, just the, basics of a grape becoming something completely different. It's very fascinating. 
I'd love to talk a little bit about both Taket, you being a black leader in Oregon's wine industry, and Marcy, you being the new crop of BIPOC folks who are going to be making waves and making changes in an industry which does feel very white. Growing up in Oregon, I'm kind of used to the fact of there isn't a lot of brown indigenous people And to be there, though, you start to give the next generation an idea of, well, if they were there, then I can do it, right? Um, And so that's kind of what I'm hoping with this is that just being able to be seen and say, that's a normal person and I look like them and I can be part of this community as well uh, is very important. Working in construction, you don't see a lot of women. And my daughter you know, whenever they ask career day, what do you want to be? I want to be a construction worker. And everyone's like, you don't want to be like a doctor, <laughs> you know, like or a vet, you know, it, but because she sees where I stand, it's normal. So hoping that if we're here, just our presence alone will invite people to want to be part of it. Takat, what about you? I like to say we're in the growing pains of the wine industry. You know, I hate to make it sound this easy and and use the Nike phrase, but it's like, just do it, you know, (laughs) hire the people like you will make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Nobody is perfect. But at the end of the day, you're going to start making those changes and seeing the diversity in your in your space. I realize that Oregon has a complicated history. But the thing is, is we're in a day and age now where we have the opportunity to change that. That was our Legacy Harvested intern, Marcella Alcantar Marshall, and Tiket Bramlett, president of Compre Vineyard in Newburgh, Oregon. They spoke with OPB's Crystal Ligori. You can find more on this story online at opb.org. You keep it going, man. You keep those books rolling. You, you pick up all those books that you're going to read and not remember, and you roll, man. You get that associate's degree, okay? Then you get your bachelor's. Then you get your master's. Then you get your master's master's. Then you get your doctrine. You go, man. Then, then when everybody says quit, you show them those degrees, man. When everyone says, hey, you're not working, you're not making any money, you say, you look at my degrees, and you look at my life. Yeah, I'm 52. So what? Hate all you want, but I'm smart. I'm so smart, and, and I'm in school. These guys are out here um, making money all these ways, and I'm spending mine to be smart. You know why? Because when I die, buddy, you know what's going to keep me warm? That's right, those degrees. College debt is one of the most crippling financial burdens young people face today. What's more, nearly 40% of student loan borrowers don't finish their degree within six years. That's according to the Hope Center for College, Community, and Justice. So they end up with thousands of dollars in student debt and no degree to show for it. One of those borrowers is our guest, Isabel Praget, who's now an operations manager at the University of Washington. And she joins us now from Seattle. Welcome. Hi, thank you, Aisha. Isabel, you attended the University of Texas at Austin more than 10 years ago. What led you to to leave the school? Um, Yeah, it was a combination of things. One was not really feeling like the major was something that would help me in the future. Um, And then there was also the fact that I was starting to accumulate that debt. And so I needed to switch from part-time to full-time jobs and, you know, to try to make ends meet. So I just decided to stop thinking, oh, I'll come back to it. And of course, 
life happened and I never did. So how long were you at UT Austin and what was your major? I was there for three years, a break, and then I would try to go back for another year at part-time. Um, my major was international studies with a minor in Spanish. So I was hoping to do something, you know, a little more global. That's one of the years I took off was when I was teaching in Spain. But my path just went down operations. So it didn't really felt necessary anymore. And I just kind of kept going with my real life training versus my college education. How close were you to graduating? Painfully close. I think if I were to pull up my transcript, I was somewhere in like the 30-ish credits. Um, and that's because when I came back, I went part-time. So that's why I missed some credits. Otherwise, yeah, I would have graduated that final year. Tell me about that that real life work that you've been doing. So you've been working at operations. Have you been making good enough money to pay off the debt that you got when you were at college? So I definitely did not start off making good enough money. Um, I did like the minimum payments at first, and then I, you know, did all the deferrals and all of that fun process of bureaucracy and paperwork that you need to go through to kind of get people off your back. Um, but I have been in some positions where I've um, been offered less than I could have if I'd had my degree. In my current position, that's how it started. I was offered a position about twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 less than I could have been making if I had had that on my resume. And so fast forward to today, what's the total amount of your loans? Total amount right now is somewhere in the 60000 Okay. And that, that includes interest? Correct. So including interest is $60,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> How are you juggling like having $60,000 in debt, which is a lot, and caring for yourself and your family? Um, yeah, it's it's been a struggle. It's also not just my own debt. My partner also has their um, college debt. They did finish with their degree, but they're also not doing anything remotely related to their degree. Um, they were an also international studies um, student, and now they're an account experience manager. Um, and now we have two kids. Uh, so it's been, I won't say paycheck to paycheck. We have been very lucky in that sense. However, it's still a struggle. You know, we still rent and we're in our mid 30s. We, like I said, we have two kids now. We just haven't really been able to set down those roots because we always have this looming on us where everything extra goes to that. You have two kids. Are you hoping they'll go to college but not have to take out loans? I don't know how that will work. Are you hoping they'll just be really smart or like, play ball really well. That's kind of what I hope <laughs> right. will happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I secretly do hope that, uh, but I'm definitely, I mean, the oldest one is four and the little one is six months. So I really don't have to worry about we it have yet, time. but we I have am time. already kind of like crafting that in my head of how am I going to tell them you can literally do whatever you want. Like, I don't want to push these traumas that I have of not finishing or like what my parents always said of like, you have to go to school. It's like, no, take your gap, go to technical school. Don't go to college. Like whatever is best for you and the way that you learn and what you want to do is okay by me. Mm. Isabel Praje, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Aisha. Actually, Jack's Robert Grant joins us live. And Robert, his words could lead to change. 
Yeah, Ben. Well, Far- Wells Fargo's CEO sent a letter this week saying it was going to review those guidelines and also relaunch later in July. But the guy we talked to here, his name's Joe Bruno, actually used to work at the downtown location just here behind me. He says he's not done pushing for change even beyond Wells Fargo. What they've done in the past, they can't undo. Joe Bruno claims Wells Fargo's push to increase diversity did just the opposite. He was in charge of recruitment efforts for all 14 Jacksonville area branches and didn't keep quiet, which he says cost him his job last August. You're hurting a lot of marginalized individuals while you try to implement your strategic plan. A plan, Joe says, required him to interview for jobs that were already promised to someone else, and at least one of those candidates had to be diverse. He says, even worse, they were given lower application scores kept on record that could hurt if the candidate applied to the company again. That is the definition of being marginalized, disenfranchised. After speaking up last month, more employees came forward and Wells Fargo's CEO announced the company was temporarily suspending the policy this week. To me, it's vindication. Um, Plain and simple. The letter reads, in part, we know there is opportunity to improve our implementation around some of our activities, and in that light, we are conducting a review of our diverse slate guidelines and how they've been operationalized. The company says more than 42% of hires in 2021 for positions with a $100,000 or more salary were racially diverse, a 5% jump from 2019. But Bruno says the diversity problem runs deeper. Wells Fargo looks at diversity as a long-term um, initiative. And of, of course, diversity is a long-term initiative from the standpoint it's always going to be there. But to resolve it, you, you have to look at it as a sprint, not a marathon. He's now on track to change the way all companies view diversity. We haven't gotten to a point where we need to get to when it comes to appropriately driving diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. And Wells Fargo says it will clarify its diversity guidelines and then retrain those hiring managers. With local coverage you can count on in downtown Jacksonville, I'm Robert Grant, Action News Jacks. Another victim from Wednesday's shooting, Dr. Preston Phillips, was not only known for his dedication to his profession, but also for giving back. Today, 2 News Oklahoma's Janet Quesada talked with a doctor who worked with him during mission trips to Africa, something that Dr. Phillips himself talked about in a video from one of his trips. In each of us, there is a desire to give, to give back, to give in some way, to be of assistance. And God has blessed each of us with certain talents and skills. Dr. Preston Phillips talking about why he went on mission trips to Africa. He had a passion for caring for his patients and a heart for service. As an orthopedic surgeon at St. Francis, he was admired by many of his colleagues, including Dr. Comey Folly. I get a lot of test messages from physician, uh, from a surgeon. Yesterday they say, we call him or dad because he mentored all of us. But his impact reached other corners of the world. So talented, compassionate, humble. Dr. Folly says their mentor-mentee relationship grew when Dr. Phillips joined the Light in the World Development Foundation. They traveled together to Togo, Africa, where they worked side by side in the operating room, doing knee replacements and other surgical work. It gives me great pleasure to reflect on our surgical mission trip to Lome, which is in the country of Togo, along the western coast of Africa. 
Later this month, they were scheduled to return to Togo for another surgical mission trip until Dr. Phillips' life was cut short. Dr. Foley says Dr. Phillips built a remarkable reputation with the community in Togo. Many of them are awaiting his arrival. And I don't know what to tell them. Dr. Foley says he wants Dr. Phillips' legacy to live on and the difference he made in the world to multiply. Uh, this death should not become the end of his legacy. Instead, the beginning of a big dream that he had. Dr. Foley says he still plans to go on the Togo mission trip later this month. He says he's looking for a surgical orthopedic doctor with the same passion and commitment as Dr. Phillips to join him. Jeanette Quesada, 2 News, Oklahoma. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, June 10, 2022. So I have been told this is our weekly summit on neutralizing workplace racism. Dial in if you have observations, thoughts, suggestions, uh, especially if you've figured out some things. This is what to do in a workplace setting to avoid being mistreated. You don't have to worry about any of the old fake interviews, fake promotions, anything like that. No way. You get all of your raises, bonuses, excellent performance reviews. Your colleagues speak well of you every time. Professional, competent, timely, punctual, consistent. That's the way that they talk about you. Big office. Hey, I'm going to be hanging out here until I'm ready to retire. If you have figured out how to obtain some of those things, workplace comforts, if you will, share. Please let us know how you did it so that we can emulate a little bit of your comforts. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 600 if you would like to participate. Email is until justice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com. Feel free to drop a line if you would like to be anonymous and or not able to dial in directly. Shoot an email. We can read your commentary uh, anonymously on the air if you have suggestions, comments, or have a situation you would like us to offer attempted counter racist feedback we will try to be logical help solve problems without creating new problems before we get to callers and folks who wrote in 
the audio segments we heard at the beginning. Uh, the first report, they talked about uh, the labor shortages and how having so-called immigrants coming back in, people who were not born in the United States, uh, getting visas and what have you, where they're getting uh, allowed so they can come back and work some of these hospitality jobs, low-paying jobs, generally speaking. Uh, probably a lot of non-white people. Uh, they said coming and working at places like culture, the Cultured Pearl some of the folks that they talked to in Delaware come work at Ryabath Beach. I don't know. A lot of non-white people in that sort of situation like, oh, we can, woe is us because we don't have non-white people to come in and work. They've been saying that about a number of different industries. Uh, nursing, that's another one. They would have a lot of non-white people not born in this area that they can exploit, take advantage of, pay some really low wage, no benefits, back-breaking hours, as they say, all the rest of it. COVID shut a lot of that down now that, hey, we can get these folks back in and shorten up some of these labor shortages. Say that's causing some of the inflation, right? Cheap non-white labor to exploit. Uh, incidentally, I also think some of these having to bring in these non-white immigrants, I think that will continue to be a major issue and necessity even growing those fertility issues that individuals classified as white have been reporting about saying that that's going to continue and worsen over the next quarter century and more lots more of that to come in terms of non-white immigrants being totally necessary for labor to function and the accompanying resentment next uh, they talked about even the cultured pearl that's a Wellsing moment right pearl hmm uh, next we heard the segment where they talked uh, about or one we talked about the gas prices child care gas prices I was kind of thinking of those together for whatever reason uh, with child care certainly black babies cost less now they were talking about Florida specifically but that is nationwide an enormous uh, issue uh, and certainly now school is out uh, at least the K through 12 folks school is out uh, academic year ended uh, and so back to the same thing we had during COVID what to do during the summertime are the summer programs back uh, is that all that you know recovered from COVID-19 or is it not but I know certainly that is another thing to consider if you are going to have offspring hey you know do we work from home do we have jobs where we work from home is that going to be a possibility if not what is our child care situation going to look like? Do they have facilities here? Because they were talking about those long wait lists and everything. And then people, you make too much money where you can't qualify for uh, a waiver, any sort of assistance, that sort of thing. What is that going to look like? I know some non-white people, they say, well, hey, we will either relocate to an area where we have relatives who can, you know, lend us some help uh, with babysitting and that sort of thing. And or. Uh, we will have relatives who can relocate and maybe even we have a house that's big enough they can just live with us and so hey everything is great they can take care of the child we have live in nanny and all the rest of it uh, but I mean that is major to consider you don't want to be dropping your child off with Jeffrey Dahmer and I mean it might not be a place to drop your child off they said that too and or running into financial issues and all the rest I mean throw away 
children. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Uh, the gas shortages. Now, they talked about that with rides here and folks saying, man, it's not even worth it now. I have to work 10 hour days in order to, you know, compensate and make up for what I'm not making or the amount of gas, what I'm having to spend to just keep fuel in the vehicle. Lots to think about with that rise here, even in terms of safety. Lots to think about and even anybody that has jobs. We've had so many black people dial in over the years who work jobs where they drive, whether it's uh, doing ride share deliveries, uh, working for Amazon type deliveries and that sort of thing or driving, you know, major trucks doing deliveries long haul. Uh, and folks who are either using their personal vehicle or whatever it is where they're having to pay for the gas and being a Bay Area mom like where they say, hey, you know, you think you can, you know, get this little non-white child, you know, hell, he doesn't want to take the bar, you know, you think you can help him get that? We'll, we'll see, maybe, you know, maybe I'll remember we can get you a gas card. Like, man, as expensive as fuel is right now everywhere, like, really, it should not ever be any playing around and messing around like, hey. Either we're doing it or we're not even going to bring it up. We've had folks who were talking about, hey, for jobs where they did driving, where they asked, hey, can I get a gas card? And they said, oh, yeah, we'll get it in Hemming and Han and all of that. Like, for real. White people know how expensive gas is, particularly for non-white people. All of that should be factored in in the workplace. And I would even ask if you do any driving, that sort of thing. Go ahead and ask. See if you can get that compensated and or gas card and or an increase in compensation with all this. Let's see. Uh, the Orchard in Oregon. Uh, the They said Brittany Faustin. She became the fir- uh, state's first black winemaker in 2008. And then Taquette Bramlett uh, becoming the first black woman appointed to oversee a winery. Uh, and then they talked about the whole, uh, in uh, what is it, internship program. That's it. Uh, to get in more folks. <sighs> Words are very important, and part of this, I guess, was with me because uh, the guest that we have for our program Sunday, White Man, he wrote a book about the history of the Ku Klux Klan in Buffalo, New York. Why are we reading that now? Hmm. But in preparing for that program, he talked about how the Klan was huge uh, in many areas, including Oregon Washington, commonly known as the Pacific Northwest, uh, and which I've talked about for a long time, this area where Gusty, you know, my home turf, as they say, uh, long record of white terrorism all throughout this Montana and all throughout this area. Uh, they said in the report, and I believe that was Miss Bramlin, victim of racism, that Oregon has a complicated history. It's it or it may even still be. I'm not sure that they ever like redacted it or, you know, rescinded, voted or down or what have you. But uh, so it may be still current tense, but it was a part of the official Oregon state constitution. No Negras allowed like it was extensive what the punishment was and you'll be beaten and lashed and kicked out of the area and all this other stuff like all of that. Uh, clan activity and all the rest of it in the area of Oregon to chalk it up to words like eh, we have a complicated history are you serious 
and then growing pains having a black person in a wine environment in Oregon now incidentally I mean all of that just sounds like it's just going to be like one non-white person amongst many 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 white people and many many intoxicated white people now what is this supposed to be I don't even know that we need more wine we seem to have a lot of alcohol already if this is going to be creating jobs and inspire more non-white people to maybe open their own winery and this is going to be a profitable endeavor maybe but I mean really if this is just going to be we bring in one non-white person maybe two or three she starts a program and brings in more white people for all of this I have no idea how this works against white supremacy racism or even calling out accurately the history of racism in Oregon and why you have so few black people so few blind black wine operators all of that is deliberate white supremacy they weren't pussyfooting when it was time to keep the niggers out of Oregon incidentally in fact why I'm saying like oh my god this is so ridiculous and I guess I'm not a wine drinker either uh, they got lots of history of black people being mistreated at wine tasting events but what's on the front page because that was from Oregon Public Broadcasting the feature story on Oregon Public Broadcasting today Friday January 10 is Oregon's long history of enabling extremists it should be white supremacists let me see what the first paragraph says uh, 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 uh. Oh, and this is connected to January 6th. I see, I see. And some of the people came all the way from Oregon. Uh, disgraceful. Anyway, yeah, this is on the front page of Oregon today. You can check all this out later. But uh, no pussyfooting. Be accurate about what it is and why we don't have black winemakers or black citizens, period. Uh, let's see, Portland is like three hours south of Seattle. Three-hour drive, that is. Uh, let's see. Next, the segment, the fakery at Wells Fargo. So Joe Bruno talks about they have their diversity, inclusion, equity program at Wells Fargo. And he says that they have already promised these jobs to other white people, but he's supposed to go through these fake interviews non-white candidates and then give them low scores so that if they try to apply again like oh this person oh this is a real moron here like oh when he's a rapist too yeah 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 skip next 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 this all in the diversity inclusion equity program and Joe Bruno victim of white supremacy but he said now you want to talk about marginalization all of this marginalization what what I come in here we come in here Wells Fargo did you hear they have a diversity inclusion equity program we get all gussied up I get my Ferragamo shoes buffed I get my tie on and get my Phi Beta Kappa pen and go in all right I'm dry clean my suit and got my resume on that heavy stock paper and everything five six of the five or six other black people we all come in we're all gussied up ladies got their business suits on boy we are looking tough and spiffed and cleaned boom give the boom we answered all the questions and all that right on and boom 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 and 
Wells Fargo people inside. They do the interview and it okay right on. So great to see you, Gus, and everybody else. It's just been awesome. Lovely seeing you, Mary. Okay. Well, we at Wells Fargo, we're committed to diversity, inclusion, equity, and uh Harambe. In the name of George Floyd, we'll talk to you and uh, we'll be in touch. It's been great meeting all of you brothers and sisters and uh, we'll be in touch with you soon. Thanks so much for your time and it's been a great day. Once again, Harambe. And then they let the black people leave and they sit around and look at each other and wait. Five, four, three, two, one. Did you see him? Did you see him? <laughs> he had his pen on. They were all dressed up. Did you see him? <laughs> he said he graduated. Graduated from Ivy League school. He had his reference. <laughs> we didn't call none of the references. <laughs> he said he graduated magna. What is it? Mag. I can't even get it because I dropped out of college. <laughs> dropped out of community college. <laughs> we said diversity. Inclusion. <laughs> next year, look. Next year, what we gonna do? Next year, I'm gonna hit him. I'm gonna wear my kente cloth bow tie, my Bismarcky t-shirt. <laughs> Cause we do it every year. We have had listeners who said they have observed this. The fake interview we literally if i had more time i could have found this in the archives they described almost exactly i'm sitting there people think i'm sitting here joking around being dumb wasting time no this is in the archives where people said it was like an annual event every like we'll match it up and do it for juneteenth get the walmart juneteenth sorbet form and everything make a whole party out of it Every June, we wheel in a whole class of Negros for our diversity, inclusion, equity program. And we wheel all 30 Negros in, and then miraculously, not one of the 30 gets hired. It's in our archives. We got listeners who said, I sat and watched this happen annually. And all of the black, exactly like I said, all gussied up, got my resume together, and I'm Ivy League and magna cum laude and everything, and we don't care. That was just the cherry on top with the fake interview at Wells Fargo, where in addition to you don't get the job and we laugh at you while saying this is diversity, inclusion, equity, we do the fake these jobs have already been promised to white people and we're giving you a negative score. So if you try and apply again, you're already going to put your application in the trash. That's the sort of thing. One, now keep that in mind when they start talking about who is more informed about racism? So is it the black people who come and they're all gussied up and got their application ready and their references sparkling and got all of their work history together? Are they the experts on racism? 
or is it the white people who are orchestrating the fake interviews for jobs that have already been promised to white people who is more informed that's also really important because in my view when we tell people we talked about this we had doctor in Georgia two weeks ago he talked about going out and talking to black students saying hey you can be more than just Lil Wayne Steph Curry dribbling a basketball all that you can be more than that I'm a neurosurgeon I'm wearing jeans and sneakers just like you all of that is true and important however as a neurosurgeon he was treated like a nigra flagrantly that's the only reason that we heard his story you have to be honest about that that hey you can be qualified you can be spiffy hair combed no locks magna cum laude even valedictorian even and all of that just means you are a nigra with valedictorian magna cum laude blah 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 and still not get the job and even be denied by someone who like I said is a community college dropout Mark Furman like for reals it is real important because when you don't you end up being one of the people because we might have listeners archive alive you end up going to one of those fake interviews and you don't get the job and you don't find out oh this was promised to somebody else this was a whole scam like I wasted my time and energy I could have at minimum slept an extra hour now I gotta sit here and comb what did I misspell something on my resume did I wear the wrong outfit is my hair wrong are my credentials right did I go to the right school man I'm a lame oh what kind of coon am I and all of that when it was you didn't have a chance from the beginning that's not marginalization contrary to what Mr. Bruno said victims guaranteed qualified that is white supremacy racism and I mean really in my view that is no different from Peyton Gendron I can come up and put a gun to your head or anybody out here you required to have a job on this here plantation you go out and do all that to get a job and they do that to you you want to tell me that's white privilege is that a better term or white terrorism the fake interview speaking of terrorism the last segment was Dr. Preston Phillips they don't even allow very many black doctors on the plantation we've heard numerous reports about that and Dr. Preston Phillips one of the victims at the Tulsa shooting that happened last week and it reportedly killed by a black male horrible all the way around Uh, it is super I mean critical can't be overstated safety in the workplace certainly some situations it's not a whole lot that you can do you know some some things that you wouldn't be able to prepare for or wouldn't know about or what have you uh, but at minimum I would want to discuss same thing I think retired firefighter brought up and other people I would want to discuss do we have any sort of plan in place for safety 
do we have any sort of drill or what have you if there's an active shooter or any other sort of incident of violence in the workplace if not do you think it would be prudent to organize such an activity stay in the question lane I would be suing it I, because we've had a shooting at a grocery store school all of these different environments hospital hey regardless of where you work you need to be very alert saying safety on many accords COVID-19 and people being rowdy about all that and if you got to go back to wearing a mask and all the rest of it and then just people being rowdy out of nowhere rowdy hostile and armed for whatever reason I've said that consistently you have to take your safety into your own hands so I mean hey I would big time speak up especially if you have if you're in contact with a lot of people and we've had a number of folks who've talked about being threatened on jobs we've had people who haven't even participated who have talked about cows investors who have talked about working with people who threatened to shoot them on the job all of that take it seriously has to be reported incidentally this person even said when they went to report it no one took it seriously what do you mean Ted threatened to shoot Ted is is just the best in the world did you see his kente cloth oh tie I mean I love Ted that is amazing come here Ted remember we went fishing last time Ted is amazing that sort of thing getting mad because you tried to report Ted said he wanted matter of fact I'm ready to shoot you around here trying to get Ted in trouble got that sort of response every time anybody anybody is talking about shooting you or some violence or anything at minimum does this sound like professional behavior is this the way that we are to conduct ourselves in the workplace you can just stay in the question lane with all of this people are behaving like this none of this is acceptable and like I said I would be talking if it hasn't been brought up already I know we've had some folks where they said hey they brought in folks trainers and they talked about what to do and and the importance of of vacating getting away from the area and all that great invoke that training if it is not I would request that's something human resources everybody should be vested in like I said having just I mean days school shootings hospital shootings all the re- grocery store be very serious about your safety and Gavin DeBecker keep talking about the gift of fear you get any sort of sense from someone something is not right like I don't know they seem you know like this person is seeming hostile they're saying things that seem a little weird volatile hostile this person seems like they might have uh, a temper of some sort that sort of thing I would not minimize any of this especially if it's coming from somebody white oh yeah take all of that seriously and again anything any references to firearms guns none of that is acceptable in the workplace and especially now people should not be this is not the place unless you work at a gun store you work at like a rifle factory or something of that nature this is not the environment to come and I want to bring all my uh, guns and ammo 
past subscriptions and what have you and talk about all the different types of magazines and bullets and all that and what we're going to do with the red like none of that is appropriate for the work environment and again you can just stay in the question lane with asking what is acceptable if you work in an environment where all of this is talked about on a daily basis just ask yeah I mean if it's really entrenched I would double check about now why am I working here exactly if we basically work at a gun range but yeah just ask everything should be about the promotion of safety number again is 720-716-7300 decode 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate if we have any other folks if you have experience with the fake interviews where you know whether it's you personally a victim of the fake interview or you know that this sort of thing is happening where non-white people I mean hey it's rampant in the NFL not that I'm interested in hearing about that at all but it is rampant uh, where they've talked about where they it seems like they just bring these niggers in to say that yes we did talk to a nigger for the job and then we found a cool white man who will be even more qualified but yes if we have any folks if you are familiar with unfortunately a victim of the old fake interview or other commentary you would like to share with workplace racism the number 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate the email until justice at gmail dot com again we can get your commentary in anonymously if you would like let us see hit the switchboard and see who folks have any commentary to share let's see uh, first few folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open Can I be heard? Uh, Z's mom with us. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Greetings, everyone. Um, So I wanted to update. So I've still been subbing, and they actually gave me a full class for the summer. I'm guessing because I did have a um, pretty good reputation in terms of um, subbing, and right now, it's a lot easier to sub because a lot of jobs are asking for vaccination requirements still. So um, something that I noticed, I wrote down some notes about my first week so far. So I'm working summer school and it's only a month, but I have my own class and it's about 10 students. But generally, most days, only like five to six actually show up. So the first day that I get there... There's about, I don't know, maybe 10 or so roaches, dead roaches in the classroom. And I had to um, call the front office about it. And they made it seem like it was just really normal. So it was no issue. And they tried to kind of play it like it wasn't an issue. But I tried to make sure that they, they got in a work order so that there's some sort of documentation about this. And when the students came in, they're so used to the roaches. This is a second grade class. 
that they just get a paper towel and pick them up and don't even, it doesn't bother them at all. So I thought that was pretty um, kind of tacky and pretty terroristic in my opinion. The nice thing is that my class is really small, so I'm able to actually work with the children. This is a really high-needs area um, in my district. I think at least 10 to 20% of the students are homeless. There's a large percentage that are in foster care, and it's a low-income um, environment, so obviously that's coded for it's full of non-white people. Some of the things that I noticed was um, there's two black females in my class. They're really great students, incredibly smart, um, but they are always in conflict with each other. They're the only people in the class who are in conflict with each other, and their conflict really stems from nothing. I think a lot of these children are very exposed to the Internet, so they're constantly um, mimicking that type of behavior. And so they come to the class, and the first thing they say is, oh, I don't like this girl. And it's always the um, two black girls saying that they don't like each other for no reason. So I started noticing that they were consistently being rude to each other, so I had them... I wrote down, like, the definition of justice, um, no one being mistreated, and um, the people who need the most constructive help receiving the most constructive help. And we kind of had a discussion and went over what does justice mean? What does it mean to be mistreated? How have you in the past, you know, mistreated people? And how in the future will you make sure that you're not mistreating people? And it seems to go over well with them, so I'm hoping that we can keep implementing that and keep um, coming up with activities that are related to them understanding what justice is and how to produce it. Um, I also like that the class is really small. I even have an aide. So the classes are set up how school should actually be set up if we had a system of justice because it's very small. I'm able to work with the kids one-on-one and I actually set up separate curriculum for each kid based on how I assess them and what their needs were. And I gave, you know, parent letters for them to kind of be able to say, hey, this is how I want to prepare your child for a third grade. Even though it's a month, I feel like we can get a lot done. So I'm really excited and hoping for a lot of parental participation. Um, I think that was mostly all that I wanted to say. But, yeah, I just found it really unfortunate. Oh, another thing is these children are very exposed to the internet to a capacity. I always know that, but um, these are seven-year-olds, seven to to nine, depending. And um, we had a discussion about, you know, like, how do you make friends? How do you um, form, like, relationships with people? And they were talking about going on Tinder, getting boyfriends on Tinder. And I was like, how did you hear about Tinder? And they told me online. They were talking... are often twerking in class. Um, especially the two black females are talk about how they're like, you know, she's like she's a twerking queen, and they're often repeating like lyrics for from songs like Meg Thee Stallion type songs, Cardi B type songs. Um, they love to mimic people online, so that's really unfortunate. But my classroom is. Um, pretty much like a tech-free zone, except for um, there's one period where after recess they exercise, and so they watch kind of like kids exercising videos. It'd be it, Sometimes it's like yoga or dancing videos. 
But beyond that, they don't get tech, even though they constantly ask for it. Um, but other than that, those are just my observations now. I'm very interested in how the rest of the summer goes. But I really want to take advantage of the opportunity that I have a small class. I have non-white students that I can actually help. So that's all I wanted to share so far. Hmm. Well, that is awesome. Z's mom, small class, trying to do her part to produce justice and even spelling it out to the definition uh, with the young victims. That is awesome. Um, Once again, throw away children. She said some of these folks in foster care, these little victims, throw away children children. Dr. Welsing talked about that all the time as a child psychiatrist. That right there would be enormous towards solving this problem. We're not going to be messing around with the production of non-white offspring. Said a lot of these students, houseless lots of things to consider before producing offspring let's see she uh now Z's mom said she she gets this class I guess the COVID that's why I said like I appreciate the updates because COVID-19 now is that still impacting the workplace are people you know are we done with that moving on or is it not so? I said, it seems like that very much depends on where you are. Now, she said, hey, she's able, you know, you can go out and sub and get these jobs teaching because that's still a requirement. Got to be vaccinated. So I guess that's still, you know, a lot of people are still roiling about that. A lot of white people still saying, hey, this COVID thing is a nigger problem. I'm not getting vaccinated. That's, you know, Jamal's problem. That is something still going over, I guess, depending on where you are regionally. Uh, and then so she gets there, area with a lot of non-white people, yeah, bare sanitation, yeah. We heard the same thing from young academic, all kinds of vermin and what have you in the classroom. No regard for the, and the, the, the children, this doesn't even stick out to them. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Throw away children. They are treated like trash. They get accustomed. Hey, we are trash. Eh? We're supposed to be in a garbage bin. See, she says that <clears throat> these are supposed to be high need. All of us victims of racism really are high needs. Uh, if, you know, they want to use that terminology. Um, she talked about all of that anti-blackness amongst the victims. That also is so common at a young age and an older age, unfortunately. Uh, But all of us, really, uh, the content that we are exposed to on all of these screens, uh, what Internet, whatever it is, television, Netflix, all of it, YouTube, there's so much anti-blackness. She said where it'll be two black females in the class, in a classroom or maybe not even having a whole lot of black females and conflict immediately not even rooted in anything not like you know you stole my my purse last year and i haven't let it go yet or you know you uh 
caused me to get kicked out of the house or whatever, you know, caused me to get in trouble with my parents that time. You know, I didn't get a good dinner that night. They made me go to bed early. None of that. Just, ah, ah, I don't like her. I have seen the same thing, even working with young children where I remember sitting with them in class and they went back and forth for about a good five minute between five minutes between them. And it was, why are you all always in conflict? Can we solve this? Do you all have to argue and brawl every day? Uh, and they spent, they, well, he said that I was as black as tar. And she said that I was as black as a piece of coal. And she said I was black as black. And she said black as black. <laughs> Woo, man. Like, all of that throwaway children. Now, again, black self-respect annihilated. But I'm so not uh, surprised if these folks are, you know, already talking about being on Tinder and all the rest of it. And you just get to go and hang out, listen to Cardi B or whatever you can find online all day long at seven, eight. Hey, lots and lots of anti-blackness. That moron has said, hey, we're going to have offspring. No television in the house. In fact, I even I think a couple days ago said if we're really serious about counter racism, there should be more time spent reading than watching television since so much of the content is awful and would need to be vetted. And we probably don't even want to model just having this enormous eight foot screen with enormous white people that are kings and killers, generally racists. Dylan Roof, eight foot tall on my screen, or black people arguing and in conflict with each other, which is all day long. Netflix, YouTube, you name it. No TV unless you just want to have more and all that twerking and everything. We just had Daniel Levesey on the program that he was talking about racism in Jamaica during the 18th century that'd be like the 1700s and he was talking about black people being trained from youth to be whores and I'm saying that way because that's the way it was written in the book point that we talked about when he was on the program trained from youth to be whores which goes right back to the throwaway children That is all of us. All of that serves to strengthen the system of white supremacy, racism. I'm just here to breed and throw away children and more people to be victimized, really. More slaves to be victimized. Keep this all of this going. Anywho, but bravo for justice. That is spectacular. Bravo. More yoga. More yoga. But bravo for no screen or no technology. Broader than that. For uh, no tech in the classroom. Amen. Uh, Let's get away from all that screen stuff. Technology can be used. Excellent tool. But I mean, really, if it's just going to be tender and twerk. Yes. No technology zone and justice. Let's see if we can do some practicing justice between us and not just immediate conflict because you have melanin and lots of it and so do I so we're going to brawl to the death right now
white people have been very successful our conditioning has been conditioned uh, let us see let me nab one email and then we will continue much obliged Z's mom I feel like I had been wanting to ask her about Aya Gruber because she mentioned her when way back what seems like 8 billion years ago when we were reading uh, Alice Siebold's Lucky and then we had Aya Gruber on the program but then I didn't hear from her so I never got to check in and now it seems like too it's been forever since Aya Gruber was on the program but it was just February uh, let's see uh, one person wrote in see if I can nab our emails uh, uh, alright victim he writes in uh Hello, the cows. This is uh, Black Male from New York. I'm heading the advice of one Gusty Renegade and aim to stop spectating. Whoopee. By reporting in on matters regarding the workplace and how this can have deleterious effects on one's health. Mm. In 2019, I dealt with the death of a parent. Oh, my condolences. And while still grief stricken, was met with the world changing effects of COVID 19. For the last two years, given that I work in a New York City hospital, the epicenter of the pandemic, which increased potential exposure to the virus, along with the challenges of the workplace, anti-blackness, there it is again, staff incompetence and COVID protocol changes, my physical and mental health gradually deteriorated. About a month ago, I knew I needed to get help to address the totality of all the events that affected me these past three years and had to make efforts to do so unfortunately I did not have the time to get them at the beginning of the week I visited my PCP to see if he could assist me in getting linked with appropriate help one look at me and he immediately called an ambulance and sent me to the ER where I stayed overnight as I had reached a breaking point I am now and placed on medical leave being through this incident I have been connected to the help I very much needed this is not the way I would advise anyone to go about doing it to be sure I say all of this to say your health is paramount above all else in this system if you are allotted time off from work take every single day owed until my next correspondence be well cows faithful sincerely uh, wow health nothing more important than your health and I know for so many people so many victims of racism the workplace not even you know trying to factor in the past two plus years of what COVID-19 has added but just in general all of that strife and anti-blackness and terrorism and fake interviews in the workplace has an enormous and destructive impact on our health and well-being in so many ways ways we're not even aware of like I was talking about you going to those uh, fake scammy interviews and then come up thinking it's me and I did this or I didn't do that and blah 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 and rooting over that and then you can't sleep and all the rest of it when this was not going to be your job from the very beginning the time we posted this we knew you were not going to get this job it has a huge impact so and even I totally ask for help if you know something is not right you know how you typically feel you know you know everybody I think has had like a day that was unpleasant 
where you were un, you know, upset, uh, impatient, didn't sleep well, whatever it is, something, you know, unpleasant happened during the day. There is a substantial difference between that and a sustained feeling of depression, melancholy, if you want to use that term or whatever. Uh, there is a difference, you know, you know what the difference in terms of how you normally are and if you're just down for a day or so tired need to get a little break or what have you get the weekend to recharge that type of thing you know and particularly if it's workplace induced where this is just being ground down every day ask for help get help and even looking at now do I need to extract myself from this situation is this one where this is not going to improve. Super important. And I mean, I can't even imagine this sort of situation where you've got all these oh, met all this medical uncertainty and then all these medical emergencies and then all the racism. And then he said all of the incompetence onto it. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry it had to be to, to come in this form, but I'm glad that you got the help that you needed. And if you're in a spot where you are getting the help that you need now and can take some time uh, away to make sure that you are you know doing as best you can. Spectacular. Uh, hopefully all of us, you know, can just use that as a lesson to, hey, try to intercede earlier. Um, because you don't want you never want it to get to a point where it has to be you go in to seek help and somebody looks at you and it's oh my god we got to get like whoa I should have been doing something earlier take your safety safety health super super important much obliged for dialing in take extraordinarily good care of yourself and definitely let us know what the uh update is hopefully as your your health uh, progresses exponentially the email again is until justice at gmail.com the number seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound Press star six one if you would like to participate. Other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary to share, proceed. And Eric. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, sir, for taking my call. And uh greetings everyone on the line. Um I, I had a question. Uh, and I was hoping I could uh, get uh, the caller's opinion on it. <clears throat> the question is, um, let me give a little backstory. I, I found out recently that a lot of the um, suspected races and some of the non-white, non-white, uh, non-black people on my uh, uh, job location have some kind of group text that they are um, communicating to each other with that I'm not privy to. Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, is there a way where those type of records can be, um, I guess, uncovered uh, from online or uh, even legal means? 
that's my question. Um, but um, about some of the some of the uh, uh, news reports, um, I was thinking about the uh, the employment for the um, immigrants immigration, and I read an article in L.A. Times talking about the um, the ever approaching. Uh, immigration way from a couple of different South American countries. And I was thinking that, well, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, uh, her, uh, she's trying to submit a, a, uh, I guess a bill or whatever to give them money, 3.2 billion in funding to build up, uh, three specific countries. Um, so I don't see why, um, well, I see why they are allowing um, uh, immigrants to come here. Um, uh, the report uh, uh, about um, what was that report about? The lady with the wine country, uh, the wine. Uh, I thought that was interesting uh, that she uh, was. Um, Introduced as this, I see it happen a lot of times by people being introduced by black people being introduced as being uh, this level, uh, this uh, president or whatever, and it really doesn't, you know, reflect how the majority of black people really um, live. I mean, I just thought that was interesting why they're always promoting this notion that black people have arrived and are successful in some kind of way. Um. Uh, I guess that's it for now, Gus. Uh, and if I have something else to say, I'll uh, chime back in. But thank you for taking my call. Much obliged, good sir. Fumbling with my mute button. That is interesting with the uh, the wine component. I'll touch on that uh, first the see if I can get her name like to make sure I'm being as accurate as I can uh, Tiket Bromlet hope I'm pronouncing it correctly so she's doing the vineyard out in Oregon and in, even I thought that was significant like she talked about how she was inspired by her family uh, and going back and, and trying to do things for black people awesome counter racism right there um but that's a good point in terms of trying to, like you were saying, like trying to make it seem as though the uh, racial showcasing, Mr. Fuller might call this, having a black person like, wow, she's going to be in charge, operating her own vineyard. Like, wow, black people have made it. Isn't it amazing? Wow. When you were like, that does not really reflect the way that most the existence that most of the people classified as black have. Uh, and I mean, now really, that even to the point that I was making now, really we don't even have black people in Oregon to visit this vineyard, much less to be employed there or a chief operator or anything else because of white supremacy, racism. And then this chalk that up to just say that Oregon has a complicated history. Like, come on, man, come on. Let's, uh, let's keep it real. <laughs> even the why black people, don't feel comfortable and don't have a history of oh yes let's visit the vineyards heck like come on 
Anywho, um, I suspect the way I have to look at the L.A. Times report, the so-called wave of immigrants, as I said, number one, this will be needed because they also have the what they call tsunami wave uh, or the silver tsunami. That's what it is. Drop the wave part. Silver tsunami that they've been talking about of all these white people predominantly retiring the boomers and all the rest of the folks and it even accelerating because of COVID-19. So they're going to have to be getting immigrants from someplace, probably not someplace with too many highly melanated folks like Haiti or Jamaica, Nigeria, someplace where they might not be quite so dark. So I could see that, you know, be a fine. And even still, if they're non-white, still the resentment with all of that, but still black get back have to check it out. I'll find the LA Times report and share. Uh, let's see. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in, uh, if we missed you totally, if you have a hand up, proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, Bay Area Mom? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I didn't know I was unmuted. Sorry about that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, okay, so yesterday was the last day of school. Yeah. Well, I think the children, the graduating children, I think they're kind of sad, too. Uh, the school that I was at yesterday, the children looked a little sad, like they didn't want to not come back to school or venture off maybe to middle school or I don't, I, I think with the pandemic and everything that's happened, yeah, the children were affected differently. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I spent my last day of school with the lady that, uh, yelled at the kids and, um, <laughs> so when I walked in, okay, I'll, t- I'll bring you back to last Thursday. So I didn't know until Tuesday, this Tuesday, that the last day the paraeducator was in the class was the last day I was in the class. She w- did not go back to that classroom with the white yelling teacher anymore. She hasn't been back. Um, she instead went with the uh, me preschooler like kids and on the site um she texted me uh to let me know give me a heads up that she wouldn't be in there that tuesday so i just called her what happened so um just uh, the uh the whole uh aggressive atmosphere um when we were there uh it was that that, that thursday she had went to the black ladies uh, station, took all the work that the kids, all the artwork, all the work that they do at the back station where she is. She took all the work, hid it somewhere in the closet, and then brought it all out. When the lady went to the bathroom, she said, her bathroom breaks are more like, her five-minute breaks are more like 15. That's what she told the kids. (laughs) So, uh... 
she, while she went to the bathroom on this five, 15 minute break, she gave the uh, fifth graders this folder and with all the paperwork that this lady had been looking for, the black pair educator, she'd been looking for this folder for a while. And, um, the, the white teacher took it. And so she gave it to the kids here, sort it out. We're going to make scrapbooks. That's what she said they were going to do. Now, mind you, that was the, what the black teacher was going to do with the children because she's the one that creates these uh, images with the children. So her, the black pair educator's feelings were uh, hurt um, or whatever. And um, she, uh, they were just, well, the, the, the tricky part about it was how she, they were, they didn't just sort them out on the table. They were thrown all over the floor. And anyone that wanted to help find whoever's name was on the paper and go give it to them, that's what they were doing. So it was just like maybe 100 pieces of paper just thrown on the floor. And so the black lady came in and said, what's that? And she said, oh, the paper that I was looking for? Oh, my goodness. So I guess that, that day was it for her. So when I got there Tuesday, the children were out of control. There was no structure. So it showed that the structure came from the teacher's assistant versus the teacher. So children jumping all over the place, don't know what to do. Come yesterday, the fifth graders are graduating. Um, <clears throat> he told them, she waited. Now, mind you, this is no new news, but you want to wait till today, this morning. They're graduating this morning. You want to wait this morning to have them uh, practice their speech. So before that, she said, I don't know where Mrs. Such-and-Such is. Uh, she, I haven't seen her since Thursday. <laughs> she said, uh, I don't know where she could be, uh, but uh, maybe they needed help um, somewhere because I think the principal told her that uh, they needed to take the paraeducator from her and have her go somewhere else. They needed help somewhere else. I think that was what told her instead of just saying you're crazy, lady. <laughs> so uh, now she's telling who are, am I the only one that's not coming back this year? Am I the only teacher not coming back? So she was telling somebody else uh, that was in there, stuff helping, uh, help assisting her with the kids. And they looked, they just said, I said, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. She's like, if I'm not coming back, they are getting rid of me. Why am I not coming back? Am I the only one not coming back? So uh, she told the kids, well, I'm going to retire to a high school. I'm going to retire and go to a high school. So this is the kids. This is the kids. Oh, good. Because you're always yelling and screaming. Oh, thank goodness. I'm so tired of hearing you yelling and screaming. And then this one little boy says, that's our teacher. You can't say that. He's like, it's just, I can say that's how she does it. Yell and scream all that. So then another student said, yeah, when I wake up at night, I go, oh, it's her. Because she yells so much, she scares me at night. I get scared at night. So totally traumatized the children. She told the fifth grade students yesterday if they didn't if they made messed up on their speech, she was gonna embarrass them in front of all five hundred and people out there and she was gonna make them stop the speech and end it. And she would do that. I would do that too. I'm not playing. I would do that too. If you're jumping around like you are, Susie Q, you're jumping around, be still. You guys don't be still and say this right and speak loud. I will embarrass you, and you will not get prizes. Prizes are for after graduation. Not going to embarrass me. So I heard they blocked the teacher out, actually. They blocked this particular teacher out of the graduation. However they had her, she was blocked out. 
this Caucasian teacher, um, they found, they went and got the black hair educator because uh, one, one particular family in general wanted her sitting right there with them because that's how helpful she was for them. Um, the teacher left no instruction for the last day of school. And because I go to so many schools, I don't have time to know. I don't know anything, and I don't want to know. I just want to, where are we going? Where are we going, and when is it time for me to go? That's all I need to know. I don't don't care about what time this happens at, nothing. So she didn't leave any instructions on what to do thereafter. She just went and took the fifth graders to the graduation and had a substitute teacher in there. So he's like, so what are we supposed to do? I said, look, I'm, I'm, that's not what I do. I don't know. She didn't leave you any instructions? No. I said, well, I don't know. So the children arguing, we don't have art. We don't have PE today. We don't have. Because she didn't leave instructions, you have um, a, a verbal combat with the kids because they figure because it's the last day of school, we don't have to do any work. They wanted to play. They made a little airplane. Come on, come get in. Come get in. So I they built a plane or whatever. She wanted them to do math. I said, so what happened to math on the computer? Oh, it's the last day of school. This is for fun. We're not, we're not doing any math. So no one except for the Asian kid that doesn't do, he's very antisocial, doesn't play with the kids. He was the only one on the math doing math. And um, all she kept saying was, shush, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And... um. They, it, it was it was it was just crazy, especially for the last day of school. So there was no structure. I had to go find out what was the next thing that they were going to do, and that still turned into an argument. Um, she was so mean and grumpy to the fifth graders. She wouldn't let them come over and say anything to us when we were outside because everything was outside by the time they were graduating. And um, I don't know if I'm going to do summer school. That was very challenging. Um, uh, I don't know. I did get an offer to work uh, with one teacher. I don't have a problem with the one teacher. With one teacher in one class all day. Um, I'll see how I feel um, by then. Um, boy, oh boy, uh, it was it was interesting. The little Spanish speaking male, he did make it to his graduation ceremony um, somehow, so he did go get his little certificate. Um, and that's it. I'll meet my line, and thank you for taking my call. Much obliged, Bay Area mom. Hoorah, hoorah. Uh, the school year is over. Um, I'm not surprised that you got an offer for the summer. I guess, you know, yeah, you know, if you have a good rapport with the, with the instructor and all that, like, yeah, yeah, I can see how all that goes. I, uh, just man, like, <clears throat> these, uh, students, non white also would be so called high needs. I said, really, all of us non white people are so called high needs. Uh, and she's sabotaging the efforts of teachers, aides, and what have you for these students. I mean, are you serious? Like I've talked about that in terms of like the vindictiveness and pettiness uh, of white women, white people in general, but uh, especially white women in the workplace. I mean, I go to the bathroom 
come and then she's scurrying, sneaking stuff that like, are you serious? Are you so like <laughs> this is not even like my personal stuff. This is stuff for the children. That moron he says pretty often, what he say he says White people do not care about children. That is like a total disgrace. I mean, and and not just I'm scurrying around and sabotaging and sneaking and hiding stuff. And was that the folder I've been wasting all this time? I talked about that all the time. White people, racists, waste our time sit there and I mean that's the sort of thing that I've heard people say that like drug addicts do like steal from you and oh man you can't find the folders oh did you look in the drawer let me help you look over here I bet they're right in there let's see I bet that Jonathan did you move the you grabbed the folders this morning how do you steal something and then come help the person look for it she didn't just do that she said the white woman steals from her she goes to the bathroom and comes out it's not just oh wow the folders have miraculously appeared she's got to get her jab and say hey children her bathroom makes are supposed to be five minutes but they're really like 15 <laughs> that's what that's CP time <laughs> Uh, are those my folders? <laughs> like, in addition to, I didn't know I needed a stopwatch to go to the back. Now you see, I can even pause right there. I told you, I worked in the school system in East Bay. Go Warriors! Now, I said I would drop the students off, stop, go to the bathroom, because it would be brawl, conflict, white man supervisor you have got to check in we've got these students here and blah, blah, blah. you've got to check in before you go to the bathroom I said man we don't even get to go to the bathroom all the time don't even get a lunch break sometimes like it's just straight bam from 9 o'clock until the students go home at 3 like we talking about and all that and I said, whatever if I'm going to get fired I am going to the bathroom all that just trying to go to the bathroom now, I told you you work any sort of job and you want to talk about safety and health you work on a job where you can't go to the bathroom or you got the warden man in Florida said you got the warden outside with a stopwatch what are you doing in there it's been five minutes are you still in there what's going on I, I'm just can I grab a slice of toilet get, it's been six minutes get out of the bathroom any sort of job like that they said the Amazon people a lot of folks that work in those warehouses can't even go to the bathroom same type of thing got cameras and what have you efficiency and productivity rates and what have you how many delivery uh, you better not try and go in there and relieve yourself of any urine any sort of job like that that's what I mean deleterious to your health that right there and 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 oh by the way are these the folders that I've been looking for for the past half hour come on 
she stops working. She said, I'm done. I'm like, I can't do it anymore. Like all this kind of, and again, who is injured here? She could just go get another job, hopefully. And you know, whatever, whatever. But I mean, the students, we are high needs and you're sabotaging the people who are here for the high needs children. Black babies cost less. And again, white people do not, do not care about children. All that sabotage in the workplace, that's the sort of thing you would have to, because we've heard so much of this. The sabotaging of people who are just trying to come in and do quality work, that I would be thinking automatically anything. I'd be trying to have backups, anything that can just be saved. And this is something that just can be printed out again and that sort of thing and or securing. I don't leave anything there. I'd be thinking of that in advance. If I know I do quality work, all of these in same thing I said with the joke about the fake interviews joke, (laughs) put that in quotes where you come in magna cum laude and valedictorian and graduated top 5% of your class and all this working hard and all this working a job while you do all that and you got old racist Susan dropped out of community college and she's on the hiring committee mad way more qualified than old Susan is she's mad that's why you got that lots of that I'm not saying every white person is ignorant or incompetent but I mean hey there is a lot of nepotism cronyism uh, they call it in the system of racism where you don't have to be qualified if you're white and you end up with a lot of that Uh, anywho uh, the in the embarrassment what in the world? These are high needs students. They're about to graduate. She already said some of these students look kind of sad. I remember that too. Like just normal. I think that's normal children. Like, oh man, you know, you might not get to see your pals. Although I guess it's different now because now you got, you know, social media. You can just be on Zoom and on your phone all day long. But either way, it's not the, quite the same as being, you know, face to face every day and hanging out and all that other stuff uh, every day. Or if you're going to a totally different school, like she said, some of them going to middle school or high school or whatever else it is. Uh, like that's kind of, you know, big transition and all the rest of it and miss hanging out. Ah, you get up there and mess up this speech if you want to. I will embarrass you in front. <laughs> what in the world? Like, are you talking to ch- high needs children? I thought we we're supposed to be about patience and all that. You're talking to them like you are a warden and you're talking to convicts. Now, when we go out into the yard. You had better behave. And I see any shank or anything. That's how you talk to, you know, convicts, convicted rapists. I didn't think we were talking to a room of convicted rapists. I thought they were just trying to go to middle school. Like what? Again, all of that in advance before we get to the bedroom. Now, do we really want our child to be a part of that? And if not, what steps are we going to make to make sure? Yeah, that is not constructive. I experienced all that I needed that. My partner experienced all they needed that. We have got a totally different curriculum set up for our child. And we set that up before we hit the bedroom. Much obliged, Bay Area mom. 
Number again, 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, if we have missed you completely, proceed. Hi, Gus. Uh, good evening. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, I just wanted to make uh, a couple of reports. Uh, first report is regarding a school incident um, as, as well. Uh, my son uh, graduated um, to go to middle school, and he has a non-white teacher. Um, I actually uh, didn't even get uh, any type of notification that he um, was going to graduate and basically found out a day before. So anyway, the graduation went through. I got my, you know, I found out about it, attended, got my son's um, graduation certificate, got home, looked at it, and the teacher, and he is in a tragic arrangement, I hate to say I think he's a bit in the sunken place. Uh, the gentleman uh, put the incorrect day and the incorrect year on the certificate. So, um, you know, I brought this to the district's attention, you know, and they were already, you know, kind of upset with him. Um, they've had, you know, some other reports, and I just requested if he could, you know, you know, get it fixed and resolved. So, you know, the last day of school, son comes home, I check his backpack, look inside, you know, the t this uh, teacher, instead of him, you know, printing the document out on, like, the card stock, you know, that is going to last, he basically just prints it out on, you know, black and white paper, shoves it in the backpack, and, you know, when I get to it, it's all crumpled up. So I have to go back again to the district administration to ask them, can you please print out a correct um, uh, graduation certificate, which they finally did. Um, and it kind of brought me back to, you know, your thinking, like you said, just because uh, people, you know, look like us, you know, we can't always assume that they're on our side, so to speak. But I found it quite odd that um, he would make the error, you know, saying um, that my son graduated in 20. 21. Uh, next report is more of a serious note. Uh, so I signed my son up for a summer camp uh, very recently, and I did my intake paperwork, and I notated, um, you know, on there that he has some, you know, allergies. Um, everything was going well. I went um, this week to pick him up, and Someone told me, you know, I needed to sit down, and I didn't know what was going on, but apparently um, one of the teachers decided that it was a good idea to give the entire classroom um, trail mix with uh, nuts in it. And, you know, my son ended up with a package of trail mix, and um, I, I actually wasn't even notified this information. So when I got to pick him up, when I went to pick him up, he was um, already en route to the emergency room due to an allergic reaction. Um, I, you know, obviously pulled him out of the summer camp daycare system. And um, basically, you know, the staff, they were, you know, apologetic. <laughs> Not sure how, you know, they could miss that since it was uh, documented. 
Um, they tried to kind of make the excuse that they didn't have my contact information when I have the emails, you know, on file, you know, where I sent in all that information, including the nut allergy. And, um, you know, basically, I think they were doing what they could to avoid um, some sort of a, a lawsuit, which, you know, that's already um, in progress. Um, but uh, just, uh, just interesting, you know, the director of the daycare, who I was primarily in contact with, you know, during this period, you know, he's only been there, just started um, June 1st, actually. Um, You know, I have yet to, you know, hear from her or, you know, no apologies, no anything. So they, you know, literally send my child to the emergency room from a nut allergy, even though it was documented not to, uh, you know, pass that out. So um, that, that, those are my reports for today. Um, uh, thank you for listening. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, man, thank you for sharing. I hope your child is, uh, doing well. And, uh, man, that is, that is, uh, mm. when she was saying, uh, on to more serious I was like man messing up the diploma that's serious you know like we were talking about the graduating from uh elementary school I guess going on to middle school or whatever that that's you know serious but I guess yeah in comparison to going to the emergency room it's not that serious um wow um I can only say again like man uh black babies cost less i did have that at the beginning and i did mention child care and summer camps at the very beginning uh, and talk about how that can be stressful uh for non-white parents uh black parents in particular but man uh those uh nut allergies just health concerns in general um i just think if in, in a system of racism white supremacy nothing surprises me with regards to just less care and concern being invested in children who are classified as black uh, that just gets shown over and over and over even if the educators are non-white people same still applies that's just how we've been conditioned uh, and I mean you see that with the uh, diploma situation where can't even get the correct information and then we do and you know we get some old piece of you know, recycled cardboard and ah here and then stuff it down. <laughs> like, like, man, come on now. Like what I'm sure, you know, the child five years from now will not be able to find it. But I mean, at least for the moment, like, Hey, we're supposed to be about encouraging academic success and all this learning and investment is about something and honoring the transition and you've grown and all that. Yeah. 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 Black babies cost less now, and now you see two different folks, right? So we got two different perspectives completely. This is a attempted mother, right, telling us about her child's experience, and he's and she even said that she just found out. Oh, yes, the graduation, yes, yes, the graduation ceremony is going to take place today, and if you have time to drink, like, dang, all short notice, and then okay, we do it and can't get the diploma right and all that. We got to you know beg and plead for that. Uh, Bay Area mom, she said the white woman, get up on this stage and you embarrass.
embarrass me if you want to, and I will snatch you. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. I thought this was supposed to be about my joy. Like, all of this, and we still coming through the Rona, and, you know, if we had to do virtual and masks and all the rest of it, we came through all this, and I can't even get a diploma with my name spelled right on it. Date accurate on there. 2019, 2018, whatever. You'll be a rapist in five years anyway. Get out of here. Can can you put it on the right piece of paper? Can you tell my parents so they can be here and cheer me? No, okay, okay. And Gus, if I if I may also you know add, you know I I try, and I know you say never to do this, and you know I never you know came into a situation that because my son's teacher was a um, black you know male you know which we don't have a lot of uh, you know black male teachers in the classroom, so. You would, I guess, in a way, kind of think, you know, you would have uh, someone, I guess, more so advocating in, in some sense, since, you know, there's not a lot of uh, black male teachers in the classroom. But, you know, during the entire time, you know, he, you know, we would have, they would have class parties and different things going on. And, you know, he was always sending out, you know, the information, you know, let's say the class party is on Friday. Um, let's say morning or Friday, you know, early afternoon, and you would get notification of it, you know, um, Thursday at five o'clock, you know, five in the evening. So you do, you really didn't have time to prepare. But I started kind of seeing a pattern, you know, with him. And you know, when I went to the district, and I again, I said I, I felt bad because I escalated because I actually uh, worked for the same district, which makes it even more awkward to have to do that, but um, they, you know, were saying that particular educator, you know, there's been issues, and um, he is, you know, more than likely um, not going to be, you know, with the district. I don't believe they're going to renew his contract. Then again, they may have um, been saying that to, um, you know, placate me, but um, yeah, you know, you try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but the, you know, not getting the correct year or the date. And, you know, the only uh, way I found out about the graduation was because uh, my son was um, sick and I had, they called me to come and pick him up. And then they mentioned, you know, are you going to X, Y, Z? And I say, you know, what is, it? you know, what? I, I didn't know that <laughs> he was, uh, there was an actual graduation celebration. So that's, um, you know, how I, you know, discover that, and you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's really a sad, uh, sad situation. And you know, like I said, he's in a in an arrangement of some sort. So you know, with a, um, I believe his uh, stepchild is a Caucasian uh, male. So very, very interesting um, per- perspective. But um, you know, with the with the uh, summer camp thing, back, you know, changing gears a little bit on that. You know, they. You know, like I said, they didn't even, you know, notify me or call me that he had uh, been transported via the paramedic and having to have a, you know, epinephrine shot because um, he had a severe allergy. And, you know, I've reported it, you know, to the state and had an interview with them today. So, um, yeah, I, I, no place is uh, safe for, like you said, uh, black children. But, um, yeah, I like I said, I... Didn't expect uh, summer camp to, uh, you know, go ahead and pass out nuts 
even though you know we have emails and forms where it says he cannot eat that. But um, I'll mute my line. I just wanted to you know add that uh, additional bit of information. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Wow, context of white supremacy, um, and that's you know just for context in terms of um, being notified well in advance. Like we're gonna have the party, the shindig's gonna be tomorrow at X Y Z, and blah blah blah, and come by or bring food or whatever. And then you know the graduation set. Like that is way. I mean, talk about party. This is something to celebrate, and you get that all last minute oh yes 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 the graduation <laughs> come on come on and i totally feel your con i don't i don't have children i feel your conundrum on uh reporting another person who is classified as black um not that we are brothers and sisters and all of that uh, but another victim of racism and they don't, as you said, they don't even allow very many black male teachers. Like certainly I can, you know, for young academic many times that he has shared with us. Um, but that's it. And she did point out for context, tragic arrangement. Unfortunately, as I said, our conditioning there are many reasons, unfortunately, why we can't think just because this person has a substantial amount of melanin is classified as black. That doesn't mean this is my homie, my friend, that we're going to be counter racist tag team partners. None of the above. Oh, and in fact, might <laughs> be. This person is in a tragic arrangement in some sort of sexual arrangement with a white person. So, ooh. and I mean, even that might not be the case. And they still, you know, <laughs> who's to say that they necessarily are in love with black people. So we're in love with you personally. So any way that you look at it, uh, yeah, you just have to, to trust, try to do the best that you can. And I think in that situation, when it comes to your children, I think that's all that is, is always just in the air of, uh, in the thinking of, uh, reporting incorrect behavior, incorrect practices with regards to your child for them to be resolved. I would definitely say if any other time counter racist logic is we are not brother and sister, this would definitely be a time. Uh, my man, Sydney 40, black brother, black brother, hell. <laughs> like, uh, yes, looking out for the best interest of my child. And uh, yeah, the peanut such I mean, as I said, like, I, I know I'm in goofy Seattle land where they have all kinds of gluten free this and vegan that and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I got it. But I mean, that's been pretty widespread for some time. Uh, in terms of, and I mean, just peanut allergies. I'm not even talking about everything else and can't do any dairy and blah, blah, blah. Uh, just peanut allergies. That is so widespread. Like there's even generally in like the childhood. Hey, I have catered for a large number of like more than, you know, 10 people. Uh, when we went to do the cow's yoga retreats, I asked in advance, do we have any dietary restrictions? 
we did in fact the retreat one of the ones that got canceled but the one in toronto i think we had someone who said that they could not do uh any soy-based products gus t said eliminate everything soy from the menu that was my response and that would be the response like forever like we had peanut butter cookies at the retreat all it would have taken one person just oh no i can't do peanut no peanuts will be on the menu for the retreat just to make sure we don't have any sort of whoops and you know all the rest of it easy way to make sure that we deal with that one the nut even if you do say hey i got a snack as opposed to i will get something that you know is eat fruit not that i'm opposed to nuts i love peanuts but i'm just saying i know lots of people that's a pretty widespread one where people have peanut allergies hey let me make an announcement in front like it's lots of ways where that can be done responsible all of that just getting back same thing like with those roaches in the classroom vermin in the classroom that we heard repeatedly from young academic and z's mom today lots of different ways in my view that is articulated that black children just are not valued now, I know some people would say, hey, there are white students, too, where they've been in a situation where, you know, they you know got peanuts accidentally or what have you. Hmm. I'm sure that is the case. Things are substantially different when you are classified as black and white people make their whoops substantially different all the way. Even, in fact, the emergency room situation, because I mean, they make a whoops with a black child man you even have to wonder do the EMT go as fast for the black child do they work as hard we just talked about that with what happened in uh, Uvalde situation in fact we just talked about that with tops where they fired talked about that with workplace racism because I just said they had the shooting in the workplace at the grocery store they fired the 911 operator who took the call at the tops grocery store because she hung up on them they were trying to whisper so I don't get killed I was like ah oh, we got these niggers playing on the phone ah. so yeah it's lots of difference where it is a substantial difference when they make a whoops with a black child as opposed to a whoops with a child that is classified as white and I still go back to what I said before like hey there is substantially more negligence just not as attentive black lives in general even black children and again she did add for context unfortunately instructor tragic right now Dr. Welsing, she would say, hey, that's black self-respect right there. You tell me what you do with your genitals, tells me what you think about yourself. That's what she was like, ooh-wee. Wow, you are letting me know what you think about you as a black person. And then how you treat black students. Hmm. Self-respect annihilated. That is how we have been conditioned, unfortunately man parenting I say that all the time being an attempted black parent toughest job in the known universe not even close not even being a firefighter not even close uh, other folks that we miss totally greetings everyone retired firefighter in Florida yes uh, 
just listening to the program and uh, the thought comes up in my mind based on what we're talking about now. Uh, kind of like for me to give a public service announcement that I normally do every year during this time of time of year. Uh, children are attracted to water. Parents. Uh, people who are close to a child or children and maybe not be a parent, but they still have a close contact with the child. Uh, the reason why it, it is synonymous with racism and white supremacy is because there's a considerable amount of children that drown every year. And for the most part, it is non-white black children that are the victims of such a issue slash problem, tragedy. Uh, there are a considerable amount of remedies to lower the percentage of that happening to a child that you are connected with by uh, swimming lessons. Although I think everybody is just about has the understanding that what makes it e even the percentage even more possible because uh, cities, counties, and states are, from my understanding, is having problems of hiring the position of lifeguards. Uh, but nevertheless, it would be to your uh, responsibility to find a place or places that where you can uh, basically put your child at to teach them how to be able to save their own lives. Uh, if they can walk, they can learn how to save their life in water. Uh, and don't always just have in mind that I'm talking about a quote unquote public pool. That can happen to a child in, your, in the bathtub in your house or one of those little portable pools that you could buy from uh, some uh, convenience store of some type. Uh, and it, only takes seconds. It only takes seconds for something like a toddler to die. Uh, and the problem, there's a lot of remedies that you can, one can uh, have to uh, avoid such a tragedy, such as swimming lessons. Uh, also be vigilant and knowledgeable on how easily accessible water can be uh, if you visiting someone or that of your you allow your child to go with someone and with that particular house or even the area if there's some sort of water maybe a pond in the back of of the houses uh, to be aware of that be aware of that and make sure if you're not with your child it may be with uh, their aunt 
an uncle or something like that, that they'll, that, hey, watch out for, watch out for my boy. Uh, watch out for my little girl. Make sure that they don't leave, the, leave without your supervision. That sort of thing. Uh, I'm just giving you examples of how children end up dying because of uh, drowning. It's not always just upfront automatic. Uh, there's means means where they are attracted, and there's a lot of people at the house, and you know, uh, little Timmy slips out the back door and tries to take a dip in the uh, canal right behind the house. Uh, especially down here in South Florida. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other places around this part of the world where such things can happen. Uh, it's important that one is aware of it and try to take all preventive measures. So the percentage of that happening would be very low for someone that you care about. And uh, just a thought. The end of the summer is going to be really hot, just about everywhere. So, water interest will be uh, on the upscale. Thank you, much obliged for the PSA retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, <laughs> man, so we got our PSA, we will even pause for the weather. Uh, Really hot is a very relative term. Uh, here in Seattle, the daytime high was 60 degrees. That would be 16C. <laughs> and it appears, I'm not sure that we are going to have a 70 degree, 70 degree day this month. We've not had one so far, and there's none in the forecast for the next seven days. So that is a very relative thing about heat. Anywho, that notwithstanding, the swimming PSA is so apropos. Uh, it might one day warm in Seattle. Maybe not. We'll just have uh, extended spring weather. Um, but... I did just speak with a black male. He was at work, no less. I normally speak to him very quickly. I minimize contact. was going about my business <clears throat> at the co-op, no less. So I'm scurrying away, minimize contact. Uh, and he comes over uh, and he says, hey, Gus. I said, oh. He says, uh, I just want to talk to you. I know you're a yoga instructor. Like, oh, I should have told him that. He says, uh. Your boy almost drowned. And he actually said a couple times. I said, mm. wow. And he said it's had an impact. If I had to guess his age, which, you know, people sometimes are not the best. If I had to guess his age, I'm going to say like 28-ish, maybe. Somewhere in there. I'd say if I had to, if you called me on it, I had to bet my last $5, I'd say 28 uh, he said, a couple times he almost drowned and it has impacted his uh, breathing. He was giving me examples where if he tries to run like 
a reasonable distance, like a mile or something, something for someone who is, you know, young and full of pluck and vigor with no injuries. Like you should be able to run a mile where he'll, his breathing will just get really erratic and that sort of thing. And I was, you know, just like telling him to try to do some, uh, just calm breathing exercises and that sort of thing. But before I got to all of that, I told him there are entire books written about black people drowning because of racism or nearly drowning. Uh, even a white man wrote, wrote one trouble waters in addition to many, 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 many books that we've read in the book club where this becomes an issue, black people uh, dying or being killed, trying to so-called integrate the pools uh, and or drowning during the summertime and all of that. Uh, even I think a rental James had a child who, drowned uh, at a swimming pool so all of that to say yes major safety as we move through uh, the summertime events as Gusty sits at Richmond Beach uh, safety at the beach and even that has been an issue where they have not been able to hire lifeguards some of that I know specifically in Illinois because of all the child rape and molestation that has been going on so there are many components to workplace racism there but Yes, definitely safety. Uh, if your child is going to be around water, even the bathtub, lake, whatever, ditches. I think that was one Richard Williams, Serena and Venus's dad talked about a number of his childhood uh, friends, black males, because they couldn't were prohibited from swimming in local pools. They would switch in like the rivers and ditches, that sort of thing. And I think he said like eight or nine for like literally eight or nine uh, of his friends drowned. Uh, as he was growing up. So absolutely be safe uh, during the summertime. If you are in an environment where it is warm enough to swim outside others, we will keep our winter gear handy. Uh, Hi, Gus. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just, when you were talking about the swimming, I just, I, I had to add this commentary um, on this. Um, there was a, few years back, and I don't know if you remember the story of, a, it was a black male, um, and he was with his friends, and I guess uh, they dared him, you know, a certain amount of money to swim across this lake, and he thought, I guess, uh, he could swim, but uh, didn't realize, I guess, his feet were still on the bottom, and he, you know, as he was crossed into, you know, the deeper part, and, you know, there was nothing to uh, obviously support him, you know. Um, he drowned, so, you know, we don't want people, you know, doing, you know, dares or anything, and, you know, obviously nobody was there to, to save him, but the, I think it was his brother, if I recall, who bet him a certain amount that if he swam across, they'd give him a certain amount of money. I don't know if you heard about that, but I just wanted to, to add that because I thought it was, you know, relevant to uh, what the uh, previous caller had mentioned Uh, yes, the, the the normal victim would be a male, for the most part. I just checked online casually, uh, and at least the one that they have most recently uh, is uh, J. W. Ransom II. Uh, this was in Mississippi in 2000. Uh, 20 for $250. Um, in fact, now I did totally forget 
this is going to come up tomorrow with I believe like oh my gosh I cannot I cannot because I had no intention of talking about drowning at all this was totally random this was retired firefighter like we didn't coordinate this he brought this up but that did happen where a black male that I talked to that I've talked to for years that I met during the flood no less have talked to for years he just asked me about breathing and prefaced it with saying he nearly drowned twice I had just tomorrow again uh, the victim that our female caller is referencing I think uh, is J.W. Ransom the second this happened in 2020 in Mississippi where this was a $250 wager where he drowned but the report I can do the teaser uh, let me see oh it's not Oregon I thought it was Oregon that's the only it doesn't make it uh it doesn't make it, I guess, or, or lessen it or what have you. It would have just been cooler if it had been Oregon because that would have been all the way back to the wine thing. But this is going to come up tomorrow uh, where police officers in Arizona uh, watched a non-white male drown. Uh, he was in a body of water, couldn't swim. And they all this is on video. <laughs> they told him, we are not getting in to try to help you. And they sat and watched him drown on the video, no less. And now all this is being investigated. <laughs> Maybe they should have tried to help. Anyway, water safety for the summertime, especially with your children. And get them swimming lessons like ASAP. They have swimming lessons for very, very, very small children. So you can start them out early and try to minimize that as best you can. Uh, other folks that... Uh, we miss totally if you have a hand up commentary to share or actually uh, let me get this email make sure I don't miss out our emails uh, go back let's see made me lose my page here we go uh, our female victim who wrote in she has the white racist female supervisor she writes <clears throat> uh, I think you got the metaphor I used last week about my racist suspect colleague Carrie brain is as empty as a carcass but just in case she is a numbskull not very knowledgeable in other words over promoted now I just said all that nepotism and cronyism not saying that white people are dumb certainly they are not ignorant about racism but you have a lot of white people they don't have to be qualified to get positions I'm classified as white she continues this week Carrie is still as confused as ever as well as trying to get me to do her work and hiding behind my work giving the impression she has been involved in delivering reports that I have completed that right there is right up with the fake interviews standard operating procedure she continues to communicate with me in a way that suggests she is instructing me on work I am leading it's been a busy fortnight. We've had several key reports to deliver, made all the more challenging by everyone, including me, taking leave at different points. Carrie had only had one report to do. I bet she didn't do it. But in reality, she didn't do much as my racist manager and other people in the department did the bulk of the work. Somehow, 
I ended up leading on several of the reports, although Carrie was supposed to be helping on others. But of course, she is clueless. So I carried on. <laughs> That's no funny. No doubt I would have got the blame if the deadlines were not hit. Absolutely, you would have been blamed. I'm also focused on developing my skills as I'm looking at opportunities in other teams. So I couldn't care less what Carrie is up to. That love it. We had a meeting this morning with our director and a few others. Everyone had actions at the end of the meeting. Carrie's tasks were not very complicated, but you guessed it, she was still confused. Our director asked her to edit a document and add a heading in, essentially telling her the words to use. After the meeting, she messaged me in Zoom to help her come up with the following word or come up with the wording for the subheading. I couldn't believe it, or maybe I could. I ignored her. Half an hour later, she messaged me to say she was going to lunch. I took my lunch break a short while after, taking a full hour to enjoy the sunshine. Love it. When I got back, Carrie must have realized I wasn't going to cover her, and to my surprise, she went back to our director to get him to draft the sentence. Now, that's the sort of thing that I mean right there in terms of white incompetence, where if Carrie was a non-white person... Now, you want to talk about affirmative action jokes and what kind of lame and incompetent and why did I hire you to begin with if I'm going to have to go and do all this work? My, like, come on. Continuing, I had a feeling that she actually wanted me to review the full document. She probably did. And I was right. Later that afternoon, she messaged me and someone else to ask if we could review what she had done. I was busy on my own reports, some of which she was supposedly working with me on. But of course, she wasn't doing anything. Again, I ignored her request. The other person, non-white, non-black, did give her feedback. I'm also very sure he was responsible for writing the bulk of the initial report in the first place. Incidentally, this sort of thing right here where uh, white people and even sometimes other victims but particularly white people, they come and just little time gobblers. This is not your assignment. This is her assignment. Write the report. And Oh, I can't figure it out. You're so good. And sometimes they'll do that. They'll, you're so good at this. Oh, you're so smart. You're so, can you help me come out there? Man, get out of here. Like if you have caller ID on your phone, if that's how they're, if they're like calling you type of a thing or what message, whatever, like I am busy. I cannot do it. No, thank you. And see, she go harass some other non-white person and uh, that's indelectable Negro. That's indelectable Negro um, to consume all of your energy. And oh, you got to do this. And sometimes they'll do it for even non-work related things. But do your own work, man, because it won't just be listen to this sentence. Does this sound? Tell me how this sounds like that's totally different. That's something that, you know, quick two minutes. Oh, OK, no problem. Read it again. How do we see it? Oh, OK. And I give you my feedback. Not. Ooh, can you write this? She continues. I was determined not to help train Carrie as my racist manager had practiced white supremacy earlier in the week 
standing me down from a meeting with directors to get their steer on one of the reports, sending Carrie in my place. I was stood down but still asked to lead on the report. Clearly, it would have made more sense for me to be at the meeting, but of course, my racist manager is trying to block my progress in the organization. Common. Carrie came out of the meeting stressed and confused. Her words. That's so funny. There's absolutely no way I'm helping this woman more than I have to in order to be seen as a team player. Now, see, that's the thing, too. Uh, and I'm glad she recognized this, that you have to be careful with that sort of thing, because if other white people, if they see this and even sometimes it can just be Carrie can go back and tell them it doesn't even have to be that they see it. She could she just go back and say, man. That nigga woman is so mean to me. She doesn't, you know, how I, I try and ask her things and she's just nasty and rude and all that. And that can be enough to get, what is that? Fix your wagon. So, yeah, you do have to be, you know, kind of careful. Be uh, discreet right how you do it but yeah I would definitely I am not going to be doing this heifer's work nor training her uh, let's see my manager had another three days leave this week the non-white black female who allegedly reports to me has been on sick leave all week apparently it's a viral infection she did do a COVID test which was negative yay but they can be unreliable true her symptoms did not seem to improve over the week so I believe it's COVID hmm I don't know. That's yikes. That's uh yikes. Yikes. Are you going to get tested if you think it's COVID? Do you think uh yeah, do you think she exposed you or anybody else in the workplace? Dang. That is uh that's what I mean like that's what I'm asking people like is the COVID is that still or people just eh, over that moving on like I think that's important like we should be checking in about that too. Man. Yeah, that's my uh yeah, are you do you feel unsafe do you feel like you need to get checked out like she might have contaminated everybody man all right so she thinks it's covid uh, i couldn't help thinking about her making fun of me for wearing a mask or and her habit of hug oh that's right that's right she just talked about the oh that's right she oh mm, mm, mm. Woo. continuing I'm not pleased that she is unwell, but I was glad not to have to deal with her this week. Hmm. P.S. The caller from the Florida courthouse talked about the racist where he works, questioning the black female supervisor about why she does not cry after they terrorize her. It sounded just like my racist manager informing me that I can be vulnerable. Direct quote. Racists like to break black males and females thanks for the platform yes the cry tell us how we've hurt you hmm man that is uh what a week man yeah I don't know you have to let us know about the COVID situation do you feel unsafe do you feel like you could have been put at risk or yeah, maybe by maybe by next week we'll get an update on whether or not this black female is back and healthy and you know she can confirm was it COVID? Yay, nay. Man. 
crazy world still. Uh, the number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, other folks, uh, hand up. We miss folks, folks that dialed in. We've not heard from at all. Hello. Yes, ma'am. We can hear you. Okay. Um, I just wanted to mention that a young boy around the age of 13, a a black boy died, um, at a camp in Maryland uh, about a week ago. And when he left his home, um, when he left his parents, he was happy and healthy. Uh, But uh, something, uh, they say, a medical emergency occurred at the camp, and uh, he died, unfortunately, there. Um, So I just wanted to say that in response to the mother that called in about her child. and I also wanted to add to that that in I know there have been several cases, but two in particular uh, stand out in terms of drowning reports. Um, uh, a black female uh, who was an exchange student in either Jordan or Israel, uh, she was black American. Uh, she she drowned in the presence of uh, her white friends. And another uh, black female by the name of Talia Lowe, the first victim's name was Tania Jones. Uh, The second victim, Talia, also drowned in the presence of her white friends. And, of course, they were protected. I don't think anything, I don't know if they ever suspected foul play, but I just wanted to share that news that very often I find with these stories the same with Tamla Horsford in, uh, I forget the name of the county in Georgia where she died in the presence of uh, white females at a sleepover. Just to be careful when you're around whites because if something happens to you as a black person, they're going to be protected and I apparently nothing will be done. So I just wanted to share that. Thanks. And I'm sorry, the Tamla Horsford incident, that was in Forsyth County, Georgia, the racist county there. Thanks. Yikes. Yikes. What's her name again? Tamara? Uh, yeah, Tamla, T-A-M-L-A, Horsford. Um, I forget the year that it occurred, but it, it did pretty it did make the news but no one has been brought to justice in her you know in the aftermath of her her her, i i say she was murdered um but yeah thanks Mm. wow that's amazing yep 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 they have a uh photograph of the sleepover like (laughs) The great Henry in Chicago, genius. Talk about being a black parent. He said he told his children, 
anytime you go to an environment you are the only black person present leave immediately there's nothing to think about nothing to question no eh, eh, not being parody leave immediately like we were talking about this in a totally different context but the exact same result dead black person no white people accountable frequently alcohol gets involved in these sort of situations too which is like the worst 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 double whammy ever uh but and then this is what i mean i get to say it again now hey who is more informed about white supremacy racism now black people are really informed about racism what it is and how it works now I mean really I'm gonna be a black person at a sleepover the only black person present with exclusively people classified as white in Forsyth County Georgia. Hmm. And then it's not just that I died in Forsyth County, Georgia. The Rolling Stones, because I call us it, I think this is a murder. The Rolling Stone says new documents details cops bungling response to Tamala Horsford's death. DA declined to press charges. Now they're using words like blunders and all the rest of this. So all this to say, if you are the only black person present, it's just white people run. And Gus, may I add one more thing? Yes, ma'am. And forgive me, I did not mention the uh, name of the black uh, male child that uh, died at this camp. His name was uh, Athuman Brown. Thank you. Much obliged. Much obliged. That camp safety, man, man. And that, I mean, that's why I said it's so hard being a parent because you want to go to camps, you know, they want to get out of the house and all the rest of it, have fun and hang out with, you know, your friend or make some new friends even better. Man, it is a very difficult job uh, for folks out there being attempted parents. Wow. Uh, Much obliged. Other folks that we missed. Uh totally anybody that had a hand up that we haven't heard from at all yeah we heard caller in Florida yes sir yes sir thank you very much sir greetings to Gus the host the listeners and callers um, 
my my first report, I have some reports I like to share. Um, the first report uh, was from a meeting that occurred uh, this morning because the main clerk and the chief deputy um, and the court director returned back to the courthouse uh, after I think they went to Orlando to like a um, statewide clerk meeting. Um, and he is even looking extremely stressed, a, a white man. Um, but anyway, like uh, a victim of racism, uh, I guess it's under VGQ. Cause you know, I already said like, I don't, I don't want to do anything with these people. Um, you know, talk, had an idea about a book club. So, um, and I believe she has this on paper and, and I think we both concluded that they were going to scheme and take credit, um, for her ideas in some way, shape or form. So they worded it as though they came up with it in, in the other building. So I'm already going to contrast one because I know they're going to do our meeting next week and see how they word it in front of us. They said in the civil building, you can either contact me or another white woman. All right. Talking about a book club idea, you know, and they had all these other ideas or whatever. And then they also uh, have this white woman sending out emails and talking about an RSVP for the up-and-coming 4th of July uh, luncheon and everything. Um, but, yeah, I, I wanted to start out that with how they uh, stole her idea about this uh, book club. And the, the next uh, report is how I noticed this, it's a white man, right? It's the same white man that they, um, that they arrested the black male in front of me and the, uh, the boss, the white person that was talking to each other. Uh, this person has been walking around with a giant, a giant cigar in his mouth by sticking out of his mouth. And, you know, and I thought about Dr. Wilson, you know, Wilson, a brown cigar, you know what I mean? So not even lighting it, nothing, just a cigar, cigar sticking out a white man. Okay. So, you know, I thought about how, you know, at least from what I remember, you know, like the, the insecurities and things like that, the genitalia and everything. Um, so every time I walk past him, you know, he just, he'll speak and I speak to him too. You know, I say morning, but he'll have this cigar. Uh, you know, I wanted to point that out and a black bailiff. Now this is, you know, I guess I can put this on an anti-blackness. So a black female, she walks in and she says, Oh, what's up shooter. Right. 
that's what she called him, shooter. And he just responded, you know. I don't know why she's calling him that, but that's what, you know, that's what she, she called him like that was a nickname, shooter. Um, my next one is, it was an old uh, HN record document that was about a bill of sale. And, you know, sometimes some of the documents I come across, there'll be wills or a deed and the indenture. And one was about like a couple of horses. And it was one part of it that said one horse that they wanted to um, exchange was called Nig, N-I-G, and it had Nig in quotes. And it was a black, it said a black horse named Nig, you know, and this is in like, what, 1891? So... And it's people over in archives, they they transcript this stuff in ink like in English type because it's kinda hard to read in the uh, the, the cursive writ. So uh, it's the, we have a feature on the site that you click on a uh, transcription and then it'll uh show it in more uh legible type. And even that may be inaccurate to a degree. But yeah, it did say that. You know, I, I had never seen that. They named that for you know, they named that. Uh, they put that name on a horse. Um, my my next one is there. There has been some, I think, some very criminal things going on with at least three of those click girls. They work in a department that I'm in. Uh, things to a degree to where I know if I had done that, like I would be fired. Like, it, you know, I'm hearing that it's stealing money, stuff like that, and putting it back. It's, 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 it's something to that degree. Um, but I hadn't heard too much of it lately. But I'm just, I'm seeing some of these same people be arrogant. Uh, and one of them, they're taking that one of them took the day off to go up to Bradford to go see her boyfriend in a prison. That that I told you what happened last August, where this guy slit somebody's throat, and she she posting it on social media like it's like come on man, and this person was given a title and. I don't see how she is deserving of that, but you know she is classified as white. That that's the that's the uh, criteria right there. That's that's all she needs. Um, and my, like my last one is uh, a victim of racism. Uh, she um, expressed to me that she has been in some meetings and she thinks that the new HR white woman who has been trained by the white woman. I've been calling the warden. So she no longer works there, works there after 30 some years. But this white woman who supposedly was in so much stress, pulling her hair out drinking too much coffee and caffeine 
she's still uh, a racist suspect because uh, this victim is saying that she has a notebook and a pen and she's jotting down things that the the black female is saying in these meetings about leadership. At least I think that's the code word being used to talk about these race issues in our building because it's, it's very bad. It's, it's terrible. Um, you know, they're talking about gossip, criticism, different things like that. And she's thinking that, that she's comparing notes to the responses given by this black victim to another black victim in a different meeting. And she has an issue in the part, the department, the civil area. Right. So, these two black females sometimes are talking and another white female, I think, well, at least from what I've been told has been, uh, watching them and white people are extremely on code, at least the white women, um, in that game. And they once again, do that feed off each other. They communicate cell phones or, you know, whatever. And they say, oh, such and such is over there in that office. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, they, they pretty much still uh, practicing racism. Um, and it's supposed to be another, another like a white woman that was a, a manager in the criminal building came back and is under a black female where she did say that, like, I never seen you cry before. So she's she's supposed to be having a meeting with the black female supervisor and uh, some of the white higher ups, um, racist suspects. Uh, so I have to see how that turns out. But I, you know, I still make sure that I'm going to these uh, other victims. I still speak with them. We have constructive interactions. Um, and I'm still continuing to jot down and write down the racism that they practice in the office. Uh, and, and I still let them know at the same time, like, I don't want none of y'all ice cream and none of this stuff. So I'm still in curmudgeon mode and they look at me in that way. So, and then that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Hey, that's all right. I will stay in curmudgeon. But see, the people who stay curmudgeon mode, you can miss me with the ice cream. Miss me with all the extra hugs. Miss me with the Rona, too. And, you know, hopefully any other germs or what have you. And if they, you know, sabotage the ice cream since we got so many cases of that, I'm good. And you can start out your young folks. Hey, shh. You don't need to eat anything that they give out. Like, let me know. I will make sure that you have all of your food. We'll eat before. Take food with you. Obviously, it would be a different thing if you're doing, you know, stand for a week or whatever. But I mean, if this is just a day thing, like, we will eat before you go. I will make sure you have ample goodies while you're there. We can eat as soon as you, you know, we pick you up from the thing. But I mean, do you not just get in that habit from a young age and that way 20 years 25 years or whatever from now when they start their business or start their career or whatever it is 
uh, and their clients come in and say, oh, hey, you know, I brought you down. I said, oh, no, thanks. Already have a code about it. No, thanks. I'm good. Let's get out. Get to work. Lots of things to cover. No food. I'm good. Even ice cream in the summertime. Even ice cream in the sun. Again, hopefully, I make enough dickles. I can get ice cream. I mean, he didn't say, you know, they brought in you know, caviar or whatever. <laughs> ice cream. Like, come on. Now, even if it had been the good, like, I guess here was the good. Even if it had been like the organic vegan $15 a pint locally made ice cream even then again hopefully I make enough nickels I can go get my own ice cream once we get off work uh, let's see this game, now we heard that one we had so much repetition that's why I said from the very beginning the fake interviews at Wells Fargo's heard that before taking credit for other people's ideas heard that before just had our caller right in about all of that with the white woman got to take credit for this got to take credit for that says mighty now they're gonna take credit for the book club i did now incidentally i would not participate in a workplace book club if it, if i did i would do it the way that many people do i'm not here to say a word i might even pretend that i didn't read the book that I just and I might even just tell them I didn't read it that I'm just I was curious and I wanted to hear you know what the discussion was to see if it would pique my interest make me want to read it because that's reasonable like oh okay okay and then that way I don't have to say anything else I can just listen but there is no way I'm going to join the workplace but what book are we going to read the hate you give cased what are we going to read and then what am I going to say while we're reading this Nah, I'm good. At most, I do and do what I said and just observe mum. Uh, but they steal the idea for the book club. They're going to steal that scheme to take credit. This is so common in the workplace. The theft and they'll switch around a word or two and then present it. No credit given at all where this person could wow what a great idea and you spread this across you know north florida this is amazing like hey put this in the newsletter right let's see now he said also the fourth of july luncheon now it is summertime now i've worked on a number of jobs where this time of year they will have some sort of kooky they might not call it 4th of July whatever but they'll have like some sort of picnic let's get together outside and do all of that like man if it's on the clock you go same rules apply this is workplace I'm not hanging out and talking about any old type of thing I am definitely sober I'm not dressing real crazy because some people it's you know bathing suit time and right on I'm trying like and <laughs> that's not time for what this is about at, I really, I would say wear the same clothes you normally wear. I guess if you're going to be out in the desert or whatever, but wear the same workplace attire that you would normally wear so that you can be comfortable. Go out, hmm, have some water. No, thank you. I'm not eating. If it's a banquet and all that stuff, I'm good. We can hang out, kick it, 
talk right on. I've had some where they go and do like hot dogs and all that goofiness on the grill and oh let's play volleyball and basketball. Mm-hmm. I'll spectate on the side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have to stay, fine. If you have this is something where you can leave after like an hour or so, do your hour. Au revoir. Uh, let's see. The cigar munching white man for sure. Wellsing moment. Many of those. I even slipped the caviar in there. Uh, incidentally, I think it is important. Even you identify, you know, race soldier, white dude, stomp down this black guy. They, he is eager for them to hit the panic button. Maybe he gets a new cigar every time they hit the panic button. I get to jump on a Negro. Uh, he speaks. I speak. Counter racism is not about being mum and you know, you giving the stank eye when you say oh, no count white man, I hope he dies from lung cancer. You can think all that, but I mean you said morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You speak to everybody, you ask for the job, you speak to everybody, you see him every day. Even in the prison, the literal warden and the inmates warden, mm-hmm, inmate, mm-hmm. You don't have to have a five-hour discussion. He didn't even say that. Just he speaks, I speak, we go on about our day. No confusion about where we stand in relation to each other. Uh, yeah, he said anti-blackness uh, is coming in and, and asking, or I guess telling, what's up, Shooter? What's up, Shooter? Now that one, you know. Oh, got that. Isn't that, that is goofy. I don't know where that came from. Anywho, uh, yeah, the what's up shooter uh, portion, like, I mean, I guess if, if the person has a firearm or whatever, but I mean, really, like, my name is not Shooter, and really, even in the context of white supremacy, like, black males are so easily criminalized, like, eh. <laughs> I think that is not, that is not a title I would aspire to have in a work environment, even if I was like the dirty, hairy, sniper, SWAT team member, you know, whatever. Even then, I don't think I'd be want to be known as Shooter. <laughs> My name is, you know, Sergeant Gus or whatever. Like, not Shooter. Um, incidentally, speaking of names, the horse named Nig. Now, I could see some individuals classified as white trying to get away and say, you know, hey, come on now. You all you 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 colored people are always trying to make uh, a mountain out of a molehill. You you just said yourself these are from the ancient records. And, you know, this is some old smudged uh, print from 2000 years ago. And and they they probably said nag. That's probably because that's what they call horses. See, they 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 probably meant to put in nag. And that's what it was. And you, you're just trying to, you know, just everybody's got to be an old racist in Florida. See, and try and say the horse's name is Nig. That's, that's not even what it was. Nag. See, folks might say that, right? Cause they say it's old type, right? What you, you don't, you don't think it could have been nag, nag for horse, nag, horse, nag, horse. Oh, maybe we lost them. Not sure. Can I be heard? 
Oh, okay, we got him. Yes, sir, because I had, now I read the sentence over, um, and it, it, it specified a, a black horse named, and it had an end quote, N-I-G, uh, Nig. Um, and then that was the last thing on the, uh, the paragraph. It had other horses, but it wasn't a name that stood out like that. Uh, no, no, actually it said they had a white horse named Snow in clothes and a black horse named Nig. So that, that was, uh, also in the document. Mm-hmm. Well, Nig, uh, that is, uh, the book we were just discussing briefly. The white author left in a huff, uh, practicing racism, no doubt, but he was talking about Nella Larson's book, uh, passing. That is the nickname that the racist white man has for his wife who he thinks is white but he has noted that her uh, complexion has gotten a little bit tawny since they have been married so he has taken to calling her Nig affectionately Nig and again now how is the horse named Nig black one they didn't name the white horse Nig they named the black horse Nig ignorant about racism hmm anywho uh I'm so not surprised about all the stealing money that is like all day, every day. That is uh, the book club, why it's mandatory the first time that we know of that a white supremacist went to East Buffalo, a Topps grocery store specifically to kill black people. The first time that that happened in the 1980s, they had uh, multiple white people who saw him didn't tell the police even saw him at the time of a murder didn't tell the police or didn't tell the police initially and or willfully withheld this information from the police even the one we got yesterday sit down in a coffee shop cafe whatever see this guy say hey you look like that killer that they're looking for the guy that's been killing all these black dudes he says that's me they don't run to the cops they don't get on the phone nope and he proceeds to kill another black person it is only at that point that they we saw this guy and he said yep I'm the killer. And apparently he did a whole lot of this bragging publicly. Yep. You know, the white dude that's been killing those niggers. I'm him.
So I'm not surprised at all that, yep, white people at the courthouse stealing and all the rest of it. Apparently, white people don't really care so much about other white people committing crimes, which is another reason why this system has got to be replaced immediately. Nobody that we don't want to replace that and have something where black people can do that. Like, that's not good. We don't want that either. But that is crazy. <laughs> like, what? You're stealing. This is tax money. And they're going and pilfering and stealing and all this. And whoo, doo, 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 and then got the audacity to come and want to fuss at you about, hey, put that cell phone down. We're all going to behave. Like, come on. Come on. Uh, and the throat slashing and all the rhyme. Same thing I said before, then the cronyism. Now, normal people, you just being associated with someone with such a ghastly crime might put your job in jeopardy, or at minimum, they are going to be gossiping about you every day. Like, ooh, we, you are going to be persona non grata. I don't know if we want you at the 4th of July luncheon, or you're going to be at the no count table at the end. Like, you know, sit away from everybody else. She got a title. <laughs> They'd even banish her to the segregated area. Um, and then he said they were jotting down the, the, the comments of the black female super. They're, they're writing down her leadership comments. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> they're looking like, see, 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 look, the colored people are trying to take her. That's sounding like Peyton Chendron. <laughs> what have you talking about Buffalo? See, colored people are taking over. Uppity, see, getting it. Anytime she says something, leadership. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. I'm trying to be a supervisor. You got all the vindictive white women. That's what we started at, right? All of them, they're sitting around conniving. I'm trying to get things done and what have you. They just wait. Oh, did you hear that? Right there. Yep, right there. Right there. Right there. Sister, we're not in this together. They talk all that. Feminism. I agree. We talked about that. Feminism. We're not. White women, you want to see your sister get ahead? They don't even have black females advancing. The warden, she was white. You got all this white. You're not with your black si- black sister. Eh. Hmm. Anywho, always a barrel of racism uh, at North Florida. Uh, we did our three hours. Uh, much obliged for everyone's participation. Uh, I'll be sure to post the link from the for some of the other reports that we discussed, including the uh, drowning uh, the young 13-year-old. Oh no, the uh, there we go. Make sure I get that. Yeah, make sure I even get the drowning of the young 13-year-old uh, Athumani. I think that's how you say his name. I'll post it on social media so you can check it out. But yes, be wary if you have children or even older people. You yourself, uh, watcher can be dangerous. Anywho, uh, we'll be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in and we'll have a white guest Sunday. No break for the cows. Uh, Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. That's a part of water safety. They say that like, man, if you're going to be out boating and all that, like we you do not want to get careless and get those beers in your system and lose that equilibrium and whoop. Sobriety would be best in addition to being sober uh, if you're out and about you should be thinking folks could be armed ready to kill if you are not prepared for counter violence exit 
if you are in a vehicle you are sober buckled not on your mobile device uh, just doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers badge or no and trying to stay as safe as we can under conditions of complete terrorism all of that said creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in no name calling no gossiping no reckless production of offspring nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim no brother problem. you're a victim right. i'm up. a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm-hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned <laughs>